episode 121, and I'm already tired of you 12s. <laughs> Finally, it took I this am long, already <laughs> sick and tired of guys like you. You came in here and you said exactly. I'm you sorry. said exactly what's been pissing me off for the last 90 minutes. I thought I was watching the Seahawks game again. Go ahead, I'm, I'm listening. Every week. You come through those doors after a close call Seahawks win or a Seahawks loss. Yep. Every week you come through those two double doors. Yep. And you say, why can't we just have a game where we don't have to sweat? Why Why is it stressful? And I say, it's easier to be a fan of the ballet. And you're like, oh, my God, every single week yeah. they put me through the ringer. I feel like I've aged dramatically. And now they go out and win 40 to 3 and you come in here, and the first thing you say is, God, that was kind of a boring game. <laughs> it was boring. And, and by the way, I've been reading that on Twitter and social media, and I say social media because I want people to think that I do more than tweet, but I don't, and it's really only Twitter. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what do you guys want? This is exactly what we wanted. Did we not want this? They lost last week to a Giants team that they we thought they had overmatched. Yeah. They're playing the worst team as my dad would say, in shoe leather, if he were alive yeah. today, worst team in shoe leather. And they beat them 40-3. to three. They take all the suspense out of it. Just exactly what the doctor ordered, minus one big injury, from what I can tell. Big injury. Big injury to uh, a big guy. Shell again? Yeah. Yeah, I, saw, I, out. I, I didn't hear that. You don't want that with Chase Young coming next week. No, you sure next don't. Week. Yeah, that line looked pretty good Sunday. with him in there. I mean, it was you could tell he was back. They were blowing holes he's, open. He's solid, man. Yeah. He's big and solid. Art's, anyway, Art's nephew. I you think. have a lot. You had a lot. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. He's no, really, it's not. He's related to Art Shell. Get the hell out. Yeah, he is. Well, okay. I mean, isn't somebody supposed to tell me these things before <laughs> you tell me? I don't know. It's not, I don't. I'm think it's okay as... with you breaking deaths to me, but not with guys <laughs> that are Art Shell's nephews. All right, sorry. Go ahead. God, not sports. You shouldn't be breaking sports news. That's to true. Me. That's true. I shouldn't. Yeah. Are you sweating already? I just set out the fan. They no, no. I think, I think my, it's rain. Are you I, all right? Hey, okay, I'm good. Well, I don't know why they have to be mutually exclusive. Why can't it be boring? But I'm happy they won. It, there was really there was nothing they could because, have done because the the inference is it was not a good and not a game that I that I really enjoyed watching. Yeah, the it, inference of boy that was boring. I didn't enjoy it. I, I would have. The inference is I would have preferred something more exciting. When every single effing week you come in here saying, <laughs> "Why can't they blow anybody out?" Yeah, I, I you can't win. There, there's no scenario. The porridge is too hot. The <laughs> porridge is too cold. The bed's too lumpy. The, the bed's too lumpy. Yeah. Come on, man. There's, there's nothing this they could have done to be fair to them that could have made it more interesting. If, if it's a close game and they barely win, I hate it. If they lose, I hate it. If they blow them out, eh, it's, I like it, but it's boring. It's kind of boring. Episode 121. We're not supposed to be talking about <laughs> That's this. That's true. All right. This is the tease. I forgot. But if you said to me on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, Mitch, Seahawks fan Mitch, write down on paper exactly what you would like to have happened or happen on Sunday, yeah. I would have said, the Dolphins beat the Chiefs. Right. <laughs> but other than that, I would have said exactly as it went, minus a couple of dropped interceptions, minus a big injury. All right, three oh, dropped interceptions. Minus a big injury, minus maybe one interception by Russell Wilson that everybody had everybody freaking out again because the guy made a pretty good play. It really good throwing. play, by the way. Made, that was, made, very good play. Yes. Not the best interception of the day. That, no, it wasn't. Did you see the Dolphins one? The one-handed wait For the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year coming up? I thought it was a Colt that made it. 
No? I think there was a Colt one, too. Colt had a great one-hander. Howard's in Miami was the best. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh. I was watching that game, but then it was oh, kind of going they away. They intercepted they, they they intercepted him three times. Oh, okay. And they didn't even have the... All right, we're not going to do that. Episode 121. <laughs> we're inching closer to Christmas. I love this time of year. Yep. Do you love this time of year, or do you tolerate this time of year? Well... Where are you on that? I'll just say I like it. I, you don't love it. It's It's, it's a lot tough. for you guys. Well, it's just a tough time of year. I, I'm so glass half empty. I just, it, it's a tough time of year for me. Really? Well, a lot of people you start thinking about I see toy drives because then I start thinking kids don't have toys and it uh, kind of just bums me out. Yeah, and, that bums me out. Yeah, I don't, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really torn by it and I don't have like a big family, so I don't like look forward to seeing my family. I don't, no. so none of that, but it's fun. I mean, I, I love it for Piper. She loves it. And, I love this time yeah. of year. The best was, remember in radio, you'd get off like three weeks before it was, oh, that was the well, best. Well, y- you would get oh. off. <laughs> Sports are still going on. We would play Christmas music coming out of breaks. People hated it. Oh, really? I love Christmas music. I don't even play for that team. Yeah. I'm on the other squad. Yeah. Uh, I love lights. We've gone through this before. I love Christmas lights. I'm already making plans to take a couple of drives down south, up nice. north, wherever. You know, south, like south center. <laughs> right. Um, Not Texas. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I love lights. I love music. I love just the, the feel. I, I tell you what I am missing. I'm missing the shopping experience. I'm not a huge shopper, but I love the energy that's like love it. in a typical mall on like December 15th. Yep. There's just a, there's just a You're right. hey, we're in here to buy stuff for somebody other than ourselves. Yeah, I used to Except uh, for me, I'm buying for myself. I, I told you I used to work at that Jungle Gyms that was in Bellevue Square. Yeah. It was my favorite time of the year to go to work cuz everyone's Cause happy, can, everyone's celebrating. Yeah. You can feel it. There's something going there's on there. There's a tangible yep. Yep. I love that. Yep. Love I just love that because I'm just so miserable the rest of the year. Although I, <laughs> that's true. Although I have seen a couple parking lot fights during Christmas time. Yeah. Well, spots are a hot commodity. Well, when we get to the other stuff segment and we we haven't even gotten through the tease yet, but right. when we get to the other I think there's a tre- I have a trend to my other stuff. Okay. And it's people just taking shots. I noticed in the world of sports, there's like five or six stories from like the last few days of people just taking shots at each other. I don't know whether it's COVID. I don't know whether it's Christmas season. I don't know if it's something that's in the air. People are just taking backhanded swipes at other people in the sports world. And it just feels like it's a constant theme. Huh. Well, that's interesting because... The guy that put our lights up said he's never seen people want lights up earlier in his life than this time really? th- this year. I think people so are just, just needed. ready to be happy. They need it. The, the, I'm happy. The tree lot we I'm went very, to. Can't you tell I'm the, happy? You're a happy guy, yes. Yeah. The tree lot we went to last week, sold out. Gone. They, they were closed. We drove by it on Friday, closed. I mean, oh what God, was that? You got your trees. It was like the 11th. You'd of, be stuck. We've gone like, like 17. Going, going looking for toilet paper. Yeah, we've done it. We got Charlie Brown's <laughs> little crappy tree from, uh, from the Christmas special. And just to add to the Christmas spirit, in the Beat the Boys contest, I had the Seahawks beating the Jets. Yes, good for you. Are you 2-0? Oh? No. No. This guy is. This guy. I told you, all I need is 14 weeks, and I'm going to get red hot. Colts and You had the Colts over the Raiders? Yes, I did. See, I went other other direction. Ah. Who do you have in the Bills-Steelers game on Sunday night? Pretty sure I have the Bills. I'm going right. to check that for you right now. You don't have to check it. All right. You don't have to check then it. Then I won't. If you happen to be listening to our show for the first time, hello. I have the Bills. Go ahead. Welcome. This is Mitch Unfiltered. Uh, do you think there's one person listening right now that's listening for the first time? How many people? Because I went yeah. to this cockamamie. I shouldn't say cockamamie in case she's listening. <laughs> Tina. I hired Tina for like a week or two weeks yeah. to help. She's a consultant. She's a podcast consultant. She was in the radio business in Seattle. She's been in the radio business in New York. She oh, came wow. back. She she got into the podcast thing. 
and she teaches and tells you how to get started. And I hired this person and this person said to me, would you like me to evaluate your show? Would you like me to listen to some shows and tell you what's good and what's not so oh, good? Oh, boy. I went, no. Yeah, I don't want that either. <laughs> That's risky. <laughs> no. No, I'll pass. <laughs> but what she did say, a couple of things she stuck on me was every single show. I don't care whether it's your first or your 121st, which is today. Yes. You have to say, hey, Mitch Unfiltered is available on all podcast platforms. Feel free to subscribe on your wherever you listen to because you've got it's just a rule of, of podcast. Okay. You yeah. have to. I don't know if you listen to other podcasts. You probably do. Oh, yeah. Do they say this a version of this? Does every one of them say subscribe I heard that and, you're yeah. not. A, and I just wonder, OK, how many people are we talking to that don't know where this Mitch Unfiltered podcast is? They're listening to it. <laughs> yeah. How do they not know? How'd they find it? Where is it in a shoe? Well, I mean how'd they get it? You could go to MitchUnfiltered.com and stream it that way. Just to check it out at work or something. Right. And, then- and they wouldn't know at in twenty twenty <laughs> I don't know. Soon to be twenty twenty one, a person doesn't know that this podcast is probably available on Apple Podcasts, right? I have to tell them this. Well, you discovered earbuds two weeks ago, so I don't know who you are to be telling anyone about technology, okay? (laughs) So maybe people don't know how to to get it, right? Podcast consultant (laughs) Tina says, I have to tell everybody to subscribe and rate us. Every single show, we like the little reviews. Now yep. they're they're starting to come in again. Oh, because, I haven't checked for a while. Because I've been reading them. I think when I read them, people are like, oh, he might read mine. Yeah. So then they lie. Okay. They right. lie and they say that they like it. <laughs> Hip Hop Foxtrot. Okay. On December 7th, left a, a review on Apple Podcasts and said, Monday, Monday, so good to me. Happy to have Mitch to listen to again. Scott is always a beat. That's what you get. Oh, that's nice. Not that you're good. You're just always upbeat. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll take energy all day over good. I should become a patron, but wouldn't get anything else done. Five stars. That's the reason? On Apple Podcast. That's the reason he's not a patron? I, or she? I'll take the five. Hip Hop, Foxtrot, I'll take the five okay. stars. All right. Ballard Viking. 12-8-20, December. Great podcast. I look forward to every show every week. He's great with Scott Soden and a great interviewer. Oh, was nice of him. I really enjoy the Kenny Z show, even though I've never played fantasy football. That's interesting. Great chemistry with him, New Heisel, and the Hawks. No table is great too. I love SS being challenged on the tail of the tape. <laughs> Challenge. I think it stresses him slightly. <laughs> I enjoy that. Great podcast. Be a patron. Ratso interview with st- everybody's still talking about yeah. Ratso. Great. Yeah. So. But the last interview you had with the the former Dolphin was. Siple? Was that it? Larry Siple. That was good. That was really good. I know. Run, Larry! Yeah. <laughs> Run, my dad used to say. He, he got a kick out of that whole thing. Yeah, he, I hope so. I mean, how many people are calling Larry Siple to talk about okay. the, you know. What you're referring to is the patron show that we did last week, drunk, that I did. Okay, before you leave this house, yeah. you need to answer my wife's question, what percentage of the bottle of champagne, oh. not including the one that I had had before you got here, yeah. of the bottle, you did the pouring... I said something. I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to tell you what I told her the next day. She was like, how much of it did you drink? I told her. She's like, oh, you're so full of it. And I was like, okay, okay. You ask. He poured. You ask. Gotcha. I'm not going to tell you what percentage I gave her. You probably have an idea of what percentage you think I drank of yeah. that bottle. Yeah, yeah. And you drank. 
I have it in my head. Okay. Yep. So you need to tell her what you th- what you feel. Okay. Okay. It was pretty impressive. You might have a, a future in drinking. I was sick the next <laughs> that <laughs> night and the next. I, you were going not, for it. Like it did not go. It did not go well. Yeah. Um, I didn't sleep well. Yeah. I got the little bit of the spinny spins. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's no good. Yeah. There was, I have a, we have this fixture at the top. It was moving around. Yeah, that's I don't no know. Good. The spins are bad. I don't know. So I had Larry Seipel, who's a former Dolphins player. Uh, I try to have a former 72 team when we start, when we do the drinking show. Yeah. And they're always charming. People hate these guys. You know that people hate these guys because they celebrate. Right. And they have a reunion and they drink and they smoke cigars when the last team. Yeah, yeah. And Hugh Millen, the Hugh Millens of the world say it's in bad taste uh-huh. and it's bad form. And it's, it's fun. It's just fun, right? And he was good. He's 70. These guys are 75, 77 right. years old now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he seemed like he really enjoyed talking to you about the old. And That's he was sharp. nobody talks to him anymore. That's right. I mean, who, who's calling Larry Seipel? God bless him, right? Yeah, you. Yeah. But but he, the stuff that he remembered, he had, he had a good memory on him for of 75. Of that, course. You, know, you went back and watched the 1970. I caught I, I somehow reeled you in. Yeah. Because well, all of a sudden I get a text that you watched the AFC championship game in 1970. Where was that game? That game was in Pittsburgh. 15 and 0. Amazing. Can't, they can't to play to, at home. No, sure can't. <laughs> Not good go enough. to Pittsburgh in, in December. <laughs> you need a can't better record to play at home, I guess. God. Larry Seipel for 37. Did you see him take off? He looked good. He looked fast. Well, he's a SEC, all-SEC performer. One of my favorite parts, though, was uh, there was an interception that your quarterback threw, and Larry Zonka makes the tackle. I thought, oh, really? That's I don't just perfect. Was there a moral a- or Bob, before Bob Greasy came in? Because Bob Greasy, you know, the story. It was got, early. It was like the first quarter. Yeah, so well, Bob Greasy got hurt in like the fifth game. Right. Broke his leg or broke his ankle. Morrill came in and, and led him from the fifth game all the way to the AFC Championship game. And that's when Shula brought Greasy back in the second half of that game. So I don't know if it was Greasy or Morrill who threw that. Shula, anyway. Shula got Morrill for 100 bucks. I read. 100 bucks. they got Morrill. Because th- he played for him in, in, uh, for the Colts. Well, of course he did. Yeah, yeah so that's he got why a, he was the backup. 100 bucks. To get Earl Morrill is what I read. I don't know. If Come it's on, true. That, that can't be true. That's what I read. They gave the they gave the uh, Orioles. They gave the uh, the Baltimore Colts a hundred. I, I think it was. Uh, it said a hundred bucks. Pretty on a good investment. Yeah, no kidding. The guy <laughs> took him to the Super Bowl for God's sake. But I, I love that Larry Zonka is the one guy he said could play today because he was just a total oh, man, just ass. a man among bad boys ass. out there. Do you think I like Larry Zonka? Yeah, I know exactly. I mean, he's yeah. I mean, how, that's why I say, how do you not love Larry Zonka? Well, do you think I love Larry Zonka? A little bit. And why? Yes. Well, I know he went to Syracuse. Yeah, come, come on, it's all coming together. Bobby, it's, come on, it's all coming together. Can you build a more perfect human being? <laughs> I know, than right? Larry Zonka. Right, right. Yeah. Now so, you know that Larry Zonka's claimed uh, infamous claim to fame. In years later, you know he was part of the most famous, one of the most infamous plays of all time. I don't. Did you not know that? Remember the the instead of kneeling down, the Giants tried to hand off. Joe Pasarczyk tried to hide, hand off to Larry, an, an aging Larry Zonka. All they had to do was kneel on the ball, and, the, and they tried to hand off, and he dropped it, and Herman Edwards jumped over and oh, grabbed no. it and ran for a touchdown. Do you remember that? That's no, the, I don't. Oh, that's the most inf- one of the most infamous plays in NFL history. They had All he had to do was kneel down. The game was over. Was but, that against the Chiefs? No, it was, it was the Giants against the Eagles. Oh, Eagles, okay. And instead of kneeling down, I think the kneel down kind of came became – commonplace after that play they tried to hand a zonka they flubbed the, the, the and herman edwards unreal you've got to play the game <laughs> he he jumped out and grabbed it and ran for a touchdown yeah yeah i didn't know yeah. that yeah anyway treat yourself to a holiday gift it's the patron uh, side of things mitch unfiltered we do all these other shows we do so how many shows did we did we post this week on the patron side oh uh-huh I mean, kenny z one uh, Steve Perry. <laughs> Come back to that. 
<laughs> Kenny Z. I wanted you to do that la- la- last. Kenny um, Z. You said Kenny Z already. Yeah, yeah. How about the Mr. P? The, oh, oh, yeah. How about Mr. Playoffs and Tale of the Tape? I forget that's a separate one. How yeah, about we the P that. Show? Yep. How about uh, Seahawks No Table? That's, that's, right. four. that's four. And then Kenny Z is, I mean, uh, Stevie P is five. That's right. Yeah. So five, five shows. Five shows. It's a good deal. Five bucks a month. Five shows this week only. Yeah. And they're little shows. They're not like two and a half hour shows, except for years. Stevie P was the, uh, was the second installment. Yeah. Of the Hot Shot series. What are we calling that Hot Shot series? I don't know. I don't have a name I for it. I have not heard it yet. Oh, What's okay. been the reaction? I haven't run to that. That, that you know, the, the, the choice was... Yeah. yeah, but you ran to Phil Collins? Yeah. Or? Really? Oh, yeah. Because I, it was your first It was your first go around. I just wanted to hear what you were going to do. And now I now it's going to need to draw... I mean, I'm, I'm going to listen to it probably tonight. Okay. But it, for me to go to be excited about it, now it's going to depend a lot upon whom, whom you choose to profile. Yeah, then that you're going to be in trouble for the third one. You've already decided the third. Yes, I have. I've and made the some, fourth. What happened to my requests? My well, request. On... I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Barry Manilow is a tough one. I... Not a tough one. He's got a billion songs. Mm. <laughs> he does. He's got a billion. A billion He's... songs. Five hits. Okay. Who sold more records, <laughs> Barry Manilow yeah. or Steve Perry? Well, he left the band Steve Perry in '87. Okay, so had they stayed together, it would have you know. Okay, let's include his solo career, all of their yeah. career. Who who sold more? And I don't have the answer, but I, I think I know the answer. Who sold more records, Barry Manilow or Steve Perry? Uh, Steve Perry's at about 80 million, including solo and Journey. That's pretty solid. That Journey's greatest yeah, hits man. continues to sell. I mean, yeah. and by the way, I mean Journey's heyday was 1981. That was the height of their career. I mean, how old are you in 81? I'm sure I was 14. Right. So I mean, were you listening to music in 81? I was listening yeah. to music. So in you're going to know some songs. Trust me on oh, this. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm gonna, I, well, I know yeah. a lot of. I know a lot of Steve Perry songs. Yeah, you're not running to it, but no, I, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm walking fast. Okay, that's good. Be- <laughs> Beat the boy, so so become a patron. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com and, and click on the link. And by the way, it's a nice holiday kind of like, I was going to say stocking stuffer, but sometimes you might want to buy it for yourself. It's $5 a month, or we allow you to buy the whole year for $55. So you can pay for 11 months to get the 12th month free, nice. or you can do the, the, the one, you can do $5 a month, whatever you want to do. Uh, beat the boys. I had uh, the the... The Seahawks over the Jets. I lost the Raiders. Colts came. You had them both. Uh, we've got Week 15 coming up, so it's almost almost to the end here. Yeah, I'm going to start having to divvy up a lot of a lot of gifts. I told you, I, I just needed a 14 lot of prizes. Weeks, 14 weeks to get hot, and I, I finally got to hot. get hot a lot sooner than Week 14. <laughs> I usually heat up around Week 15 or so. Here, your Week 15 game. You want the games first or the code word first? Give me the code word. Code word is Santa. Okay. Got it. That's not Fanta. Oh, I like Fanta. So do the kids. Delicious. Orange soda. Oh, so good. A nice Fanta orange. You like a Fanta root beer? I love it all, yeah. Love all that stuff. Not Fanta. That'd be Santa. Okay. Games. Chiefs Saints. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> hmm? You look like the Ted Knight from Caddyshack. <laughs> That's what I'm trying okay, to do. I'm trying good, to look good. like him. Got it. Uh, that, that game looked tougher until they lost to the freaking Eagles. I mean, the Saints <sighs> lost to the Eagles? That would have been a little bit tougher to pick. I don't know. That helped, by the way. It did. I told you for weeks that we needed them to lose to the Eagles or the Falcons or the Vikings. Which we laughed at, by the way. Well, Vikings, we thought maybe had a chance, but Eagles, they're not beating the Saints. That was great. Yeah. That helped. Packers got close, too. Close to losing to Detroit. That doesn't help. Close doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help. actually lose. It sure doesn't. Chiefs, Saints, Browns, Giants. Okay. Go either way. Patriots, Dolphins. Those are your three. 
Chiefs, Saints, Browns, Giants, Patriots, Dolphins, pick the winners, beat the boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Start your, your search for a brand-new fireplace this holiday season at firesidehomesolutions.com. The code word to be able to make any picks you need to know is Santa. I've got three guests. Brady Henderson, of course. Rick Neuheisel, of course. Dr. Ali Nouri is back. You might remember him as the president of the Federation of American Scientists because there was big news last week, even though a lot of people are just COVIDed out. Yeah. They want to, he don't hear about the news. I wanted to do a segment on what does it mean that the FDA has said okay to the Pfizer, the Pfizer vaccine. In fact... The Pfizer vaccine, from what I understand, by the time people are listening to this podcast, not the early morning Monday listeners, not right. that crowd, but the guys that the guys and gals that listen to it like later in the day on Monday or Tuesday, people will have been vaccinated here in the state of Washington by the time you listen to the show. It's amazing. So I wanted to do a segment on that. And, and I'm not going to say anything more to you than this. Something very different and special and funny is happening in the Rick Neuheisel segment this week. Hmm. Okay. Something different? Completely. I've never done it before. Huh. All right. I'm throwing an absolute <laughs> curveball at Rick Neuheisel. It will be, to many of you, very entertaining. To others of you, might be nails on a, on a chalkboard. But it will be something that, like an accident, that you can't not <laughs> listen to or look at. All right, I listen okay? anyway, but I can't wait now. And I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I, and I want you to text me when you hear it and tell me, yay, nay, awful, good. Okay, you'll know exactly what it is. Never, I've been interviewing him for twenty something years. I've never done this. I'm doing something complete. In fact, I've never done it with any guest at KJR, WTEM in Washington, and now on the podcast. I've never done it to any guest. I've done it, but I've never done it to any guest. That's all I'm saying. I have I'm no idea anything. what that could not be. Not saying anymore. No clue. Now people are going to fast forward. They're like not going to listen to the rest of what we have to say. Yeah, thank you. Brady thank Henderson, Rick Neuheisel, Dr. Ali Nouri, the president of the Federation of American Scientists on episode 121. Hotshot episode 121. Can you believe it? Zeke's Pizza, as we continue to support our local businesses, remember to order Zeke's Pizza Delivery Northwest Style Pizza, an unmatched beer selection. Both can be safely at your door in no time. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and enjoy. I love the chopped salad too. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, while inside dining is on hold again, three locations at Daniel's have decided to stay open. Open this time around some outdoor seating and a growing pickup and delivery business you can imagine how difficult it is right now for the schwartz family's 40 year old northwest institution consider an incredible daniel steak dinner at your home and make your home a world-class steakhouse the kirkland office at guild mortgage if we were ever going to take a look at our current mortgage and see if a refinance is a good idea you're a fool not to do it right now or soon rates in the twos could mean huge monthly savings for your family a five-minute call is all 425-250-3150 the kirkland office of guild mortgage an evergreen golf call tax advisors certified financial planners experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof Sign up now for the upcoming money workshop by visiting evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. It's episode 121, and it begins 
right now. Unfiltered. I don't have that reaction with any other women's activity or women's sport, but yet when it comes to a woman being knocked out and and, and brought out of the ring and, and cut up and yeah. bang, I just, I don't know. I, I can't get used to that sight. Unfiltered. Four-year, $128 million contract extension before the 2019 season for a guy that's now their second-string quarterback. Oh. They're gonna, you want a kicker? You know, all these, okay? Yep. All these stories have kickers. You want the kicker to this one? That contract hasn't even started yet. Mitch is unfiltered. My friend in an Iron Maiden t-shirt. Yeah, that's one of the, the five-shirt rotation. Maybe it's four. Four-shirt rotation. Three. Maybe three. But hey, how about those Sounders? I finally watched a soccer oh game. Oh, my God. I'm sitting They're there. on my list. I'm sitting there ready to roll. What the hell? God. It, it was 3 nothing. I was like, okay, can I walk away now? Like, is that, is it, but, I walked away 3 Did it end 3 at nothing, or did they score? I, I, th- I don't know. I think it, it was 3 like nothing. 7 8 but Nothing. The only problem was they scored three in 15 minutes like the week before. So I was like, I don't know. Should I walk away? Or are they going to have another miraculous comeback? But Did you see the <sighs> video that I tweeted of me watching the Sounders game? No, I didn't. I, I, I had to do it. So I told Brett I was watching it and they scored that first goal. I said, Brett, I want you to film me now. I'm going to rewind the tape. I want you to film me reacting to the first goal oh. that Columbus scored. Yes. And I did a whole thing where I went down on my knees and I was wearing a scarf, <laughs> oh, a, a nice. Sounders <laughs> scarf. And I went down and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Devastated. And by the time we had finished that video, yeah. I had edited it. Yeah. It was three nothing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't God. much of a game, but I, no. I tried Sounders fans. I tried. But listen to what it did. It allowed me to turn over to the LSU Florida game which was on at the very same time back on Saturday, where the guy takes the shoot. Again, we're watching sports for, in my case, 53 years or 45 years, Uh and it's what we love about sports. Something's liable to happen as much as you've watched that you've never seen before. Saturday night, LSU Florida, Florida with a national championship playoff berth on the line, and the guy takes the LSU shoe and throws it 20 yards. You don't even know what I'm no, talking about. No, I have about. no idea. You have no idea what I'm talking no, about. No, tell me. Tell I, me. I just told you. He takes a guy's it's, shoe. It's 30, it's 34, 34, 35, 35. Florida needs to win out and win the SEC championship game to the final four, the number six in the country. Okay. LSU's got the ball, tie game, minute and a half to go. Florida stops him on third down. It's fourth and long. They're going to have to punt the ball to Florida. Florida's going to get a last chance. They stop him on fourth down, and after they stop him, the Florida defensive guy gets the runner's shoe and all fired up and throws it 20 yards down the field. (laughs) Personal foul, unsportsmanlike conduct, automatic first down. They go down and score and win the game. It's not dead ball? It's not? Yeah, it's dead ball. Yeah, it is dead ball. 15 yards. Wow. And the shoe toss costs him the final four. Cost him the game. Guy got to it. And then, again, this is the other stuff oh. segment where people are trolling people. I'm telling you, people are taking slaps at other people. The LSU staff is, like, tweeting out late that night the picture of the sh- Here's the shoe. Should it go into the LSU Hall of Fame? <laughs> you know, just totally ragging yeah, yeah, the Florida yeah. Gators. Can you imagine how you feel? 
You're a, a college That's kid. You crazy. threw a shoe, and they and they they teed you up for 15 yards and an automatic first down, and gave him the game essentially. Did he say why he did it? I mean, he I, just fired yeah, up and fired up. Just threw the shoe. Happy they stopped him. Get out of here. Beat it. Yeah. Here's your shoe. No, not here's your shoe. Well, I mean, Go there's your shoe. <laughs> and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I didn't see any receiver in the vicinity. I think it's grounded. <laughs> Double penalty for that one. I worked on that all morning. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I like it. it was the delivery okay? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Now, if Brady Henderson were doing it uh-huh. from the Seahawks no table, he would say, here comes a joke. Oh. He, he likes to announce <laughs> nice. that always works. when he's about to tell a joke. <laughs> so, you got to stop doing that. Yeah. Just just throw the joke in. He sure. says, I really? He says, I, I feel like I need to tell you when I'm up. T- I said, no, it's not, not funny that way. Yeah. How many stand-up comedians get up there and go, okay, Here's a joke for you. Right. <laughs> Here it comes. It's going to be funny. Anyway. Yeah, Sounders no good. Dogs. Dogs and ducks get canceled. I, here's, I, I thought it was pretty funny what I tweeted. I said that, uh, that Jimmy Lake announced the uh, the cancellation. We can't play. He was wearing a Pac-12 North champion t- t-shirt <laughs> and hat when he announced that we were, were so heartbroken that we can't play Oregon. Yeah. We'll see you in the Pac-12 championship That's game right. next Friday. Duck fans are pissed off. Oh, I'm sure they are. And, I mean, they have a good reason. UW had zero road games, first of all. Zero road games. Zero road games. Zero road games. And Oregon had three road games. Is that true? Yeah. See, I don't know that. Yep, had three. Well, they, right. they need to reserve their pissed-offedness, mm-hmm. if there's such a word, a pissed-offedness, for if Washington plays in the Pac-12. I mean, if Washington play plays in the Pac-12 championship game coming up on Friday, then the whole world should be pissed at Washington. Oh, I see. They if, should if almost healthy enough. They should almost say, okay, no. If you can't play Saturday night against Oregon, I don't want you yeah. playing six days later in the Pac-12 championship game. And by the way, you know who plays in the Pac-12 championship game? If Washington, yeah. as expected, says... We can't. We shouldn't play. We can't play COVID tests. You know who plays? No. Oregon. Oh, Oregon. So then they'll, be, they'll feel fine. Now, now they didn't even have to play the game against Washington, and they're in. And the winner of that game, by the way, against USC, yeah. goes to the Fiesta Bowl. Unreal. It's sort of like when, when you it's so weird when you call it like when you when you're a kid and you don't go to you don't go to school Friday. Your mom's like, all right, you're welcome to stay home. Just know. Your plans on Friday are now canceled. You don't get to go out Friday night if you don't go to school. Same kind of thing with the Huskies. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, you don't get to go to the championship game if Same you're thing. not well enough to, to play the week before. Same thing. <laughs> One day after announcing they couldn't play Oregon, yeah. Washington was seen preparing for the Pac-12 championship <laughs> the Guys game. hanging the banner in the stadium already. <laughs> God. It is a strange year, oh, for sure. Oh, God. <laughs> and then, of course... The boring game that you came in complaining about. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I just thought it was boring. Nine what? and four. Yeah. Still tied with the Rams. Still a tiebreaker loser to the Rams, as we all know, because they've lost. It really, really and truly looks like that the NFC West is coming down to one game. Week 16 of a 17-week season, 16-game yeah. season. Week 16, Rams at Seahawks. Rematch. Rams probably playing better than the Seahawks at this point of the year. It just feels like that the the whole shooting match is going to come down to that game. Yeah, I, H- hard to feel confident right now in that game. But you know, that's in th- what is it in two? It's actually two weeks. They've got the Washington game and then they got the Rams game. I guess there's two. It's two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, to less than two weeks when people are listening to this podcast. I'm. I mean, we haven't even talked about the Jets game. I'm worried about that Washington defense. That Washington defense is dismantling people. They had two defensive touchdowns against the right. 49ers. So right. I, I know they're not good, right. but they that that defense is going to be trouble for the Seahawks. We had them going four and zero against the NFC East. 
I don't know now. I don't know. Well, we don't know who's going to play quarter. Washington's going to have to score. True. And Alex Smith came down on Sunday with a calf injury on that bad leg. Uh, we don't know how serious it is. He was trying to go back in that game, so it almost feels like he'll he'll play. But I'd love to see Dwayne Haskins instead of Alex Smith. So yeah. the Reds, the Reds – sorry, Washington's going to have to score. But remember what I what Mr. P taught you, and I'm not going to go through a whole big Mr. P. I'll do a little Mr. P for you. But what Mr. Postseason, Mr. Playoffs taught you is Seattle can lose the Washington game win the next two right. and they're the division champs because they will have split with the Rams yep. and they will have a better divisional record if they win the next two, including the 49ers game, That's right. than the Rams would have okay. with a loss to the Seahawks and two losses to the 49ers. So not a disaster if they lose to Washington. Not, it, not if you're going to win. It just feels like it's coming down to that. And what's weird about that is and I, I have literally nothing to back up what I'm about to say. Okay. This, this is straight from the, the, the noggin, the 53-year-old memory. I don't know what it is, but it feels like the Seahawks, and I know, I know the Cardinals game was last year. The second-to-last game of the season feels like a loss. I don't know why I feel that huh. way. Do they always lose the second? Do they always play at home the second-to-last game of the season and lose to somebody that they shouldn't lose to? I don't know why it... I go. I, I used to go home to Florida during the Christmas break, and I I go to a bar when that second to last game went out. I, I'd inevitably be at a like a like in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, somebody with a satellite, and one guy wants to see a Seahawks game yeah. in Florida, and they inevitably would lose that game. It does feel that way. We might be wrong. It does feel. It does, feels that way. Like almost like okay, they could clinch everything if they win that second to last one. They yeah. don't, and yeah. then they, now that now their backs are up against the wall in the very last game yeah. of the year. It does feel that way. It does, I agree with doesn't you. it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean we can easily look it up, but I don't want to look it up because it might prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah, who needs data? <laughs> A change in the hierarchy in the NFC on Sunday. Saints lost, as you pointed out, to Philadelphia. Yeah. I told you, Mister P told you. If Green Bay wins and Saints lose, who wins the tiebreaker between Green Bay and the Saints? I told you this if back Green, when I was drunk. If Green Bay wins and the Saints lose. Which happened on Sunday. Yeah. Who now, now they're tied. Who wins the tiebreaker between the Saints and the Packers? I told you this. I think Green Bay went to New Orleans and 37, won. 37-30 early in the season. That's right. So the Packers are now your number one seed. Your Saints are two. Rams are three. Washington replaces the Giants mm. because the Giants lost to the Cardinals. And Washington beat San Francisco. So now Washington's the four seed. Seahawks five, Bucks six. And now the Cardinals jump back in front of the Vikings. They play flip-flop because the Vikings lost to somebody, yeah. the Bucks. The Vikings lost yep. to the Bucks and the Cardinals beat the Giants. So it's, it's, it's as of today, it's Cardinals at Saints, Bucks at Rams. You love this weekend. Oh, yeah. You love those two games. Really good. And then Seahawks at Washington. Oh. And we'll get to see that game this this coming Sunday. Yeah. I think we'll get to see that game this coming. I definitely don't want Washington in the first. I don't know. For some reason, they're, they're scaring me. You'd rather the Giants. I'd rather the Giants, yeah. I don't know. Last week, I came in here saying, even if they would have barely beat the Giants, it would have felt like fool's gold a bit to me. Like, who cares? They're not going anywhere. They yeah. barely beat the Giants. So I am feeling better about the blowout, even though I said it was boring. I am feeling better that they just yeah, came out. Don't please, don't. <laughs> you realize it was boring. I was. I you, thought it was. Do boring. you realize how you're playing with the football gods? Can I can I just say to twelves anybody who <laughs> shares that opinion? Don't don't verbalize that this week. 
don't verbalize. Don't use the B word. Okay. Don't use the B word right. because there is a football god up there that will penalize you harshly for calling a 40 to 3 game boring. Okay. Somebody up there will say, okay. Okay, after what happened with the Giants, yeah. you're calling this boring. Let me show you what boring is. All right. Okay. 40 to 3 the other way. Okay. You are just you are just challenging the football gods. The Jets are brutal though. Aren't they bad? Breaking news. The Jets aren't very good. Yeah. How I, how does a NFL football team get to be this bad? Now, I know you're going to say, "God, we saw it for a lot of years in Seattle. Maybe you weren't old enough to remember when they were really, really bad." But God, the Jets are bad. Yeah. They don't have any good players. Where, where are the players? <laughs> yeah, don't you gotta, they have, you gotta have good dra- players? Well, don't they have high draft choices every year? What do they do with those draft choices? They traded away their best player to us, to the Seahawks. Yeah, they, yeah, for seventeen <laughs> number one draft choices. Yeah, so they, in four years, they might be good. Well, they've been having these high. Yeah. Fr- Come on. You're going to have to land on some of them. You're going to. Ha- some are going to have to. You know. the, the Dolphins have been terrible for years until this year, but they're never this bad. I right. mean, I, I can understand teams that are bad year after year. Seven after and nine. Year. Whatever. Six, Not even. Six and ten, a yeah. five and eleven, a seven and nine. Teams that just go years and years without making the playoffs. I get that. But how do you how do you get to be this bad? I mean, yeah. they don't even look like a, an NFL football team. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's rough. I mean, the, the the two back-to-back, not back-to-back, but those two pass interference calls they got on the same oh drive, you're just like, oh, my God. Wow. Wow, Jets. And by the way, those those two calls, I thought the one that wasn't called on Shaq Griffin was worse than the two that were actually yeah, called on the no Jets. Question. I mean, no question. No like, question. That poor team, they can't catch a break. Shaq Griffin, God love him, and I know he's going to be a free agent, and he, I know that he's their best corner. I'm still not sure how great he is. He's going to want a lot of money. There's something about Shaq Griffin. I mean, I like Shaq Griffin. He's a very affable guy. I like him. I think I know where you're going. There's a butt coming. The whole kind of getting away with pass interference and then dancing, doing a little jig, celebrating after you break up a ball when it looked to me like it might have been pass interference. I don't know. I, I tweeted out a video of him celebrating. Does he... Does he Look to see if there's a flag before he starts the celebration. No, he does not. He does not, and he should. Because he's on the fence of pass interference every single time he defends a pass. I guess you could say that for a lot of corners in the NFL. He celebrated three different ways after defending a pass, something he's paid to do. Three different celebrations. I I videotaped it, and and I put it on Twitter. I said, is this... Is this just a little too much celebration for defending one pass? It's not a playoff game. And maybe committing pass interference on that pass? Completely. I mean, it totally could have been pass interference. This guy's celebrating like it's Uh, like he's already got his new contract. Oh, God. Yeah. I I felt like an old man saying that, but it really bothered me. I don't know how much of this stuff you want to go through. I've got a whole bunch of notes, but, you know, the fact of the matter is they won 40 to 3. How how much do you want to hyperanalyze the game? I got a couple of con. Do you like when the Seahawks are on CBS? I don't like when the Seahawks are on CBS. Huh. I, I did see your tweet about the, the, the picture looks different. My Maybe it's just my house. When it, I, I don't think the Seahawks games look as vivid uh-huh. on CBS as they do on Fox. I think there's something to that. The field looked a weird color. It it, just it's looked, almost like almost half black and white and half. I don't know. Yeah, it's not it brilliant. Foggy. No, there's yeah. something about. And then the CBS announcers, God love Greg Gumbel and oh. Rich Gannon. They're, they're, they're for the most part, they're, they're inferior announcers. The quality of the game, the broadcast. I don't know. CB- I love Jim Nance and Tony Romo. I mean, if they're going to be the number one game on CBS, yeah. I get it. I even like my old pal Ian Eagle and everybody. 
But for the most part, these these third and fourth and fifth team CBS squads and that picture quality, I just, I don't know. It just feels like a preseason game. I don't know. It feels like I'm watching like Q13's local broadcast of a yeah. preseason game. That's right. There was no energy at all from either well, of them. I mean, it was yeah. It was pretty brutal. Yeah, I but know. I will say CBS college football, if it's, you know, like great. LSU, Alabama. Okay. Pops. Oh, Pops right off my screen. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. The co- maybe they spend all their money, all their color color money on the <laughs> the orange and the gators oh, and the yellow and the LSU. Yeah. It just pops. On like, C- I on- wasn't sure what color the Jets were. <laughs> I know. It was really bad. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. I Terrible. Oh. Congrats to Jamal Adams. Yes. He broke the all-time NFL record for most sacks in a season by a DB. That's correct. And the most... In- Incredible part of the stat is he's got eight and a half sacks, which is the most ever. He missed four games, yeah. and he's still yet to play three. Right. Okay. That's seven. That's a good call. Yeah. So, he, so he's only played in whatever it is nine games. Uh, nine games. He's yeah. played in nine games. He got eight and a half sacks in nine games. He's got a chance to go way over double digits if he keeps it up. Yeah. Congratulations to him, and he did it against his old team. Dropped an interception right in his hands. I tweeted out. Right in his hands. What's it going to take? But actually, I shouldn't say in his hands. He let the ball get to his body. I even tweeted out, don't they teach in school, catch the ball catch with, your with your hands. hands don't let it hit your chest. Yeah. Don't catch it with your chest. Yeah, unless it's like raining out or snowing and you need to, yeah. you know, extra. Yeah. Yeah. Three different interceptions. Why can't NFL players on defense you catch, love that. catch a football? You love it's that. It's a football. Well, I can't answer for Jamal. Who was the other guy? Was it a KJ and, and Puna were like fighting for one. But KJ, just go get it. You're 6'3, jump up he over. Went. He went to uh, get it. Uh, it was Puna's ball. It was Puna's ball. All right. Somebody's got to call somebody off like a center field. Hey, I got it. Yeah, I yeah. It. Like in Little League, yeah, you yeah, call yeah. them off. <laughs> Pop fly. I got it. I call them off. Yeah. And then there was a third drop. I can't remember who the I third one was. I think it was Amadi or somebody coming across. I remember the play coming across the middle. Yeah. I don't know who it was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that tortures me. How's the, how's the Jets kicker doing tonight? I tweeted out, Jay Feely's going to jinx it. Sergio. Jay Feely's going to jinx these guys. You remember Jay Feely's yes. game? He, what has happened to Jay Feely? <laughs> I love that, that that clip from the Giants guy. And then Saturday Night Live did a, a sketch about Jay Feely. That's how bad it was. He, this guy's on the sideline, and the Jets guy misses three field goals. And Jason Myers missed uh, an extra point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I he's know. He's missed a few extra points. Oh. So Rich Gannett, well, first of all, poor Sergio. The, those three field goals were not even long ones. They were like sh- short field yeah. goals. And then we get the whole, I love how you get the whole, he's not missed a field goal in two years, talking about Myers. Uh-huh. Uh, this is an unbelievable streak that he's got going. Well, he's in the meantime, he's missing extra points, but we're not talking about those. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right. Right. I keep seeing 24 in a row, yeah. 30 in a row, okay? And they, this is unbelievable. He's got a great stretch going, and then a few minutes later misses an extra point, and then he comes back, and it's yeah. like, but the, stri- the streak is good. Like, they, like, it's not the same guy. Yeah, he's still perfect for Does the year. Does it not count? <laughs> I know. Do the extra points not count? Well, technically, it's not a field goal, I so know. yeah. But so, well, but- so he's getting ready to kick off. I think people got mad at me on Twitter. I'm sorry, but... People got mad at me on Twitter because he's about to kick off and Rich Gannon says, and I got the quote right here, he says, Jason Myers, a guy you can count on on critical situations. Uh, it's great to have. No, he says, it's great to have a guy you can count on in critical situations. Yeah. And I'm just sitting here saying, 
can't make an extra point. <laughs> well, is this the same guy we're talking about here? And, and and maybe it's just me and kickers. I guess it's me and kickers. If Jason Myers were lining up a 45-yard field goal, okay, at the end of regulation, down one in the NFC Championship game. Oh, yeah. For the right to go to the Super Bowl. I'm already sick to my stomach. Go ahead. Are you telling me we'd all be sitting around going, money, come on. <laughs> we'd like not even watch, go out and get a sandwich or a beer. Uh, and like Not be. Okay. I would be a wreck. Yeah. And, and I would normally be a wreck, but I don't know how, I don't know how much faith I have, even in a guy who hasn't missed a field goal in like two years. I, I don't know how much, I don't know that I have a lot of faith in him. Yeah. When you put it that way. That's yeah. No, I know. But, I mean, that's that's a unique situation. Uh, any kicker could miss one of with that kind of pressure. I, I'm just asking, would you have more stress with him than a typical kicker? Yeah. Or would you have the same amount or less stress? Where you're, you're going to have stress. Right. You could have Justin Tucker, or whatever the guy's in Baltimore's name, who's like the best kicker since sliced bread. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have some stress, 45-yard field goal that's either going to win you or lose you the game. But and, and your, your I don't know. My, my point is that Jason, you know, he does not radiate. I don't – I should feel like it's a lead pipe cinch he's made so many of these things in a row, and yet I'm – Yeah. No. That's a fair point. I don't know. He has made it – he's got a huge streak going. He does. But for some reason, we don't feel totally comfortable. or con- Like with Hauschka, you felt pretty confident. That guy was money. Right. But there is something about Jason Myers. Right. Like, well, I don't know that Hauschka was money. But well, during that Super not Bowl Not in Arizona. Run. He was never money in Arizona. Yeah. He never had to kick in Arizona. It's probably the second to last game of the year. Anyway. <laughs> Let's see. What else? How'd you like Russell today? Well, on Sunday, I liked him. Yes. How'd you like him on Sunday? Well, he was 21 of 27, and his best throw of the day was dropped by a guy I'm souring on. Yeah. I was wondering if you were going to sour I'm a little, on him. I'm a little... I'm not completely... I haven't jumped completely off the David Moore bandwagon. But I don't love him on punts. He looks like he's in a little bit of slow motion. They run that end around to him, and it takes him an hour to get to the corner. I mean, yeah. I don't know if he's doing that on purpose. Uh, on Sunday, that ball, oh, what a, what a th- that's probably the best throw that Russell Wilson's made in about four weeks. great. Just dropped it in from the heavens. Dropped it. David Moore dropped uh, I thought I thought Russell Wilson was very good. The one interception that he had was not a horrible throw. It wasn't a great throw. It was on the run. He was scrambling. The guy made a great play on yep. it. But I thought he had a great day on Sunday. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought he looked. But David Moore, he does. But then he scores a touchdown at the end. You're like, okay, I guess I kind of lie. I'm, yeah, he's he, wide open in uh, the end okay, zone. Okay, well, he got wide open and he got a touchdown. I haven't decided. <laughs> okay, but I'm I'm a little. I don't know. That's kind of like me and Tyler Lockett. I'm kind of that way with Tyler. For some reason, he's okay. he's he's losing me. When you run the end, when you watch teams, this brings me to another subject. When you watch teams at 10 a.m., you're watching football, okay. and a team runs an end around. Okay, an NFL team, a nondescript, any team, pick any team you want. They run an end. They run the fly sweep, whatever they want to call it, jet, jet sweep, sweep. Yeah. jet sweep. Okay, they, and they give the ball to a receiver coming around the corner. Isn't he typically fast? Isn't he typically the fastest guy? Like, you're like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Right? Okay. David Moore is like, I, 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 he may be fast, but on those, he, it's like he's, I don't know, 
Like he's smoking weed on the way. I know, I know. He's just a little like it's a little sluggish. Am I wrong about that? Maybe it's my TV. He just doesn't. He looks does not look quick at all. He does on those end arounds or on those punt returns. And that brings me to the other point, which is Reed. What's DJ. Reed's first name? DJ on punt returns. Yeah, you gotta I, like that. Didn't I say that? Like- yeah, yeah. He yeah, goes. Like spark club. Yeah, spark club. He just goes. Let's see him on the end around. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. no. Oh, I don't want to see him just... on the end around. He's a cornerback. But I but like him fast. About well, I'm not sure whether Reed's fast or whether next to David Moore, he looks like a world-class <laughs> sprinter. Okay, fine. I'm not sure whether he's paying more. Hey, Moore, come stand by me. I'm going to look really good yeah, next yeah. to you. But it just David Moore just, I don't know. Yeah. There's yeah. something lethargic or slow about him yeah we talked about it before when you see Tyreek Hill run yeah they give the ball to Tyreek Hill coming around the he court. just looks like the fastest human of all well, time that's who they get that's yeah. who these don't you design the play for a guy that's gonna take <laughs> yes, t- isn't the purpose to take less time yeah. to run from one side of the field to the other isn't yeah. that the whole okay. did Percy Harvin look fast on those oh my god I, I thought he was going all the way every time every happened. time that, yeah. that's who you want on the end arounds yeah yeah I'm with you uh, I'll skip the screen pass thing. I had a bitch and a moan about a screen pass. About Carson dropping one? No, just about the Seahawks don't know how to do it. They just oh. don't know how to do it. They're the worst screen. And it's, you know, this is going on for 10 years. Maybe this is what, when Pete Carroll signed, maybe there's a clause in his contract that says, I'm going to take you to the playoffs every year. I'm going to win you a Super Bowl. We're going to have a parade. I may take you to a second Super Bowl. You're going to be great year after year. Yeah. And in small print, but we're going to suck throwing screen passes okay. oh, because this team will we'll take it Pete they don't know how to time it okay I, this is probably the wrong after a 40 to 3 win I'm gonna I'm gonna censor myself I'm gonna filter myself but all this stuff is is kind of nitpicky though after a 40 to 3 win well this isn't about yeah it's what we do though I mean so go ahead it's not about the game I mean yeah. it's just about just in general I've just noticed for years and I'm not saying that all their screen passes don't work they work for 10 or 12 they don't know how to sell it. You know, let the defense come in. Oh, the Seahawks bite on it every time ball. on defense, don't they? We they give a, they I, love it. Seahawks <laughs> give up 40 a, 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 every time. But and then the Seahawks run it, and there's always something. I don't know. There's something not right about the timing. Yeah. Guys dropping balls. Russell doesn't throw it right, doesn't hold it long enough. And it's funny. Russell's the king of holding the ball. Right. And then on a screen pass when he's supposed to hold the ball, yeah. he throws it too soon. Right. And then defensive player, I, just something off kilter about the Seahawks for 10 years. But this is a bitch I've had for a long time, so I'll, I'll go away. Your buddy Carson looked, looked good, though. I always. Thought he, always, right? Always. Six point something yards a carry. Did drop a ball, but, you know, get, gets in the end zone. Taco time. Yep. Free taco. Buy one, get one free. This Tuesday, I'll be there. I'm there every Tuesday. But you get a you get a free taco with the purchase of another one. Thanks to again Chris Carson, who makes it makes it delicious. Makes Tuesday lunches delicious at Taco Time. This every is a, week. a complete nitpick on him. Yeah, you know he runs with power. Right? You don't. Have to, does it feel like he's he gets tripped up easy? Like ankle tackles get him sometimes. I think that's the only thing I can find in his game that he needs. He's got to learn how to high step away from those ankle tackles. He hits the hole so hard, and it feels like a shoestring tackle gets him where he would have just been gone. Do you feel that way too? I can think of two times where someone just – maybe he doesn't see him and they just smack his foot. But, you know, Walter Payton would get those 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 feet up high and the high stepping, and that's one – if I was the running back coach, oh, I would love to try to work on get, getting his knees up because he would be the best running back in the league because he – he hits the hole so hard. Great. 
And Everything about the guy is great. Great. And he's got more speed than you, I think people you realize. Think better pass receiver. He underrated pass receiver. That's right. Underrated yep. speed. Incredible ferociousness. Just gives them an edge. Yes, he does get like shoes. There's a lot of shoestring tackles where you say, oh, he was going to go another 10, 15 yard, right? Yep. That's what I'm talking but about. Maybe, maybe that's just the case of a guy who's as bruising as he is. I mean, let's go back to the bruising running backs. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, Walter Payton and O.J. Simpson and these guys that were electric and Barry Sanders and so forth. You're not talking about Earl Campbell. Now, maybe I don't, I don't remember whether Earl Campbell used to get, you know, tripped up by his feet. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. Okay. And I, I even remember the play from Sunday. But it does seem to be one <laughs> or two each week where you're like, oh! Yeah, he hits the hole so hard. He, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. And then and he just sort of stumbles. Somebody, yeah, somebody gets Swipes it. his foot. Somebody gets I, I feel like that that's something you could coach somebody out of him, but what do I know? Yeah. You don't know much. Yeah, it's true, but well, I love having him back. He's looked good to me. Sergio, Russell, you did. Chris Carson, 6.3. Tacos, free tacos on Tuesday at Taco Time. DJ Reed on punts. How many interceptions are the Seahawks going to drop? Rich Gannon on Jason Myers. I think we I think we pretty much covered it. Can we talk about DK doing something stupid again? And it, it didn't matter. It was a blowout. Is he going to do something stupid that's going to cost them a game? Going up with the cameraman is hilarious. It's funny. I love it. It was a penalty, and that could affect – he could do something stupid that affects them at some point. You know, with the good come the bad with the sky. Right? I mean, I, I love the energy. I love it. I love that he's funny and he's having a good time. Yeah. But I don't – it's so frustrating with him. With the good come the bad, a like fifteen-yard penalty after you score is that necessary? Well, there's come a on. there's a simple answer to end it if you really wanted to end it. Okay, Pete Carroll could end it tomorrow, but that's not the type of guy Pete Carroll is. Yeah, you're probably right. Again, you go good and bad. You go, you get the good with the bad. That's right. If Bill Parcells were the coach, <laughs> yeah. What about your buddy Holmgren? <laughs> Mike Holmgren were the coach. That stuff like that would happen yeah. one time. What would Shula do? <laughs> what did you, you hear Larry Seifel yeah. say? Yeah. I, I would have w- had to walk home if I didn't make yeah. the first down. Yeah, and that's not home. grabbing a camera. I mean, I mean, right. Shula would be like, what? what? Yeah, it wouldn't even what? compute in his uh, head. Like, yeah. How does that happen? Right, right. So I think at the end of the day, yeah, DK does what DK wants to do. And I think that Pete Carroll runs a, a light, you know, a loose ship. DK doing what he wants to do, but that also makes him great. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like, no, I don't know that that makes him great. I think okay. that's a cop out. I think it's a oh, cop out okay. answer. Uh, I just don't want to pick at. Uh, he's four, they won forty to three. Right, he's right. been on, he's been all world. Yep. Yeah, he's dropped some balls. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He was watching himself on the screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> just I'm a the, dingbat. It just makes me laugh. But at some point, I hope the, it doesn't but cost the whole. The but the whole, you know, you gotta let DK Metcalf do his thing with the camera. Because that's what makes him great. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Okay. Okay. He doesn't. Have, that's it, that stuff is so contrived. David Moore said on 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 Channel One Hundred Seven, uh, CBS's Cairo CBS's post game show. David Moore was laughing. He said he was. He told me he was going to do it. So yeah. he he they were they were talking about during the week. Yeah. Come on, that's not what makes DK Metcalf good. You can't you can't convince me that. Oh, if we take his shenanigans away from him. Yeah. He'll just be an ordinary wide receiver. Won't be very good. Come on. But then why wouldn't that's Pete bullshit. put a stop to it then? Because that's not Pete's. <clears throat> he wants everybody to feel good. and Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Christmas season. All right. All right. Good. It's good though. But your buddy Snacks made a big play. I was waiting for him to contribute yeah, yeah, yeah. at some he point. Yeah, he did. What did he do? Did he knock the ball? He knocked yeah, the ball. Yeah, he knocked I, the ball. I don't think it was on he, purpose, he but it worked. It, he thought it was a Cheeto. <laughs> he sure did. No, he wouldn't knock that away. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, but that big old arm came in and popped the ball popped out. So him. I'm glad he's at least contributing a little bit. I was yeah, tired of seeing him. Yeah, before he gets him. cut. I think it's a, it's a great thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. I think it's enough. You good? Yeah. Amadi looks fast. I like Amadi out oh, there. I've always liked Amadi. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I think he's underrated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I guess we're done. Seahawks win. Boring, but I'm happy they won. Washington. Yeah, I'm told you that. It scares me. Every time I, I 10 a.m. I see a highlight, I see a defensive player for Washington scored a touchdown. Like, you know why it scares me? Hmm. Because bastards like you called the game on Sunday boring. <laughs> okay, so it'll be my fault then if they get blown out. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay, it's exactly right. All right. The worst thing you can do before the Washington game is call this game boring. All right. Don't do it. I won't. I, I you won't. Did. What, you won't. Well, no. I, you go, did. From here on out, I will not call that game against the Jets boring again. Okay. Last Remember time. Remember what I told you. What I told you at the, in the tease about the Newheisel interview. Oh, gotcha. Henderson's yeah, yeah. first. Newheisel second. Ali Nuri's third. Remember what I, I. You got me thinking. I really don't know what it could be in an interview that. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna shock him. You are. Oh yeah. Shock him. I'm gonna turn the tables on him. That's all I'm good. That's my only hint that I'm giving you. All right. You probably wouldn't get that hint. Some other people might say, "Oh, I know, I know," because they know Newheisel. I'm turning the tables on Newheisel on this episode 120. I can't wait to hear it. Hey, back with us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, the president of Zeke's Pizza, Dan Black, and Dan. Geez, more bad COVID restriction news recently for all of us, especially those of you in the in the restaurant business. What's the deal for our favorite place for Northwest style pizza? Yeah, similar to what we talked about when the pandemic first hit, it's devastating for the restaurant industry. Uh, Zeke's, we feel fortunate in that we have always had a really strong takeout and delivery business. And so we've been able to capitalize on that and consolidate around that. And then we also have the added thing where the pandemic has really raised awareness in terms of beer delivery and alcohol delivery. And Zeke's is a leader in that category. And so uh, we've been able to ride that leadership position and, and actually grow a really strong business uh, around takeout delivery that's even stronger now than it was before. You know, those of us that are pizza shoppers and have pizza delivered to our door, uh, we might take the whole process a little bit for granted. That phone call, the execution. But you guys at Zeke's take great pride. It is very, very important that you do this in an efficient manner. Yeah, there's no question. The delivery business is unique. Of course, we take great pride and care in the pizza and the beer part. With delivery, you have the added technology component. You know, people expect us to be on the level with like Uber and Amazon. And for a company our size, that's always a challenge. Uh, But then in the COVID era, when the pandemic hit, of course, the way you delivered and all the safety precautions that you take totally changed. And when it first hit, we learned all that on the fly. The cool thing about the current situation is our COVID safety game has never been stronger. And so we're just keep going in stride right now, even with the new restrictions, because uh, our delivery is extremely safe from a COVID standpoint. And that's one thing that's different about the second time around. And what's the Black family ordering these days? Yeah, that's a no brainer. We've been ordering nothing but cans of Hop Tropic with our pizza. And Hop Tropic is our famous and really popular house beer. And it's always been extremely popular. It's a Northwest style IPA. and Having it be in cans is a big milestone for Zeke's and Rubens. And the, the cool thing about it is not only can you order it from Zeke's now, is it's got distribution around the Puget Sound, so you can get it at QFC and PCC and Chuck's Hop Shop and any place that there's really good beer around, you can find it now, which is pretty awesome. Nice. So online, on the phone, on the app, three ways to have pizza and beer delivered to your door in minutes. Dan Black, the president 
of Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. On the move, throwing, end zone, touchdown, Freddie Swain. This is Carson. Carson to the end zone. Hurling a tackler at the goal line for the touchdown. Wilson wants another touchdown pass. Shakes a tackler, and he's got it in the end zone. Real solid performance across the board, you know, with uh, in, in all areas. Third downs were good. Red zone was good. You saw another day of the defense coming out here. This is uh, it's getting going now, and it's it's pretty clear that we've made a big turn, and uh, that was a dominating day today. But um, I'm just really fired up that at this time of year we're playing our best football, and it's going to make a difference if we're going to have a chance to do something special this year. It's going to be because the defense has really turned it around. Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider, presented by Taco Time. And the Taco Time Northwest app. We're all eating tacos, one of them free, Tuesday. Buy one, get one free, thanks to another nice touchdown run by Chris Carson on Sunday. Brady, I almost jumped across the table and smacked Scott Soden for calling this Seahawks 40-3 to win on Sunday boring. <laughs> Every single week we talk about how we'd like to have a week where we don't have to stress and sweat it out to the end. And now you get one, and now Seahawks fans are complaining it wasn't exciting enough yeah i would i would think that it was more like you're relieved that your you know your heart doesn't have to endure the stress that's probably going to end up taking like 10 years an average of 10 years off the lives of every seahawks fan but um i know for me personally not that anybody wants to hear about a sports writer having a hard job because we all have dream jobs but uh this was a rarity to actually get to write the news you know the game story uh without you know frantically wondering if you're going to have to rewrite it uh, with the game changing you know with the lead changing three times over the last two minutes so I know for me personally, it was a relief. What about the historical element to this? They don't score 40 every day. Well, maybe they score 40, but they don't win by this amount very often. How far do we have to go back? Put this one in context if you have it. I could put it in context of uh, with the Pete Carroll era, and there was only, from what I understand, only one other victory that was a larger margin of victory. That was that uh, 58-0 win. Uh, over the Cardinals in Russell Wilson's rookie season. So the 37-point margin of victory was their second biggest under Pete Carroll. And, again, going back to the idea of how often this team plays in close games, I was checking uh, with our stats department during the game, and since the start of 2018, I believe the number is 32 one-score games, so obviously eight points or fewer, Wow. uh, the most in the NFL. So that just gives you an idea of of, um, how different this was. And Russell Wilson came out of the game. Think about that. He never – I mean, I didn't even know what Geno Smith looked like in a ba- – <laughs> in a, in a, I was going to say basketball. In a football game, did I hear him calling audibles, heads, tails, <laughs> tails, heads? Uh, you don't see him in the game. How often does Russell Wilson come out? Almost never. Yeah, I mean, A, because he never gets hurt, and also you just never see them in position to pull their quarterback early because they have the game in hand as early as they did. And, I mean, I think he was out for uh, most, if not all, of the fourth quarter. And so I, I want to say the last time that they – pulled him in a game well the last time that he had to come out for i think an injury related issue was all the way back to 2017 and i and i don't even know the last time they had a big enough blowout to, to pull him so carol even acknowledge that that uh you know this was rare and look geno smith has been with the team for almost two full seasons now and he has yet to take a snap so uh that was a nice little reward for him uh against his former team as yeah. well 
Do we throw everything out? Do we throw the details out? This was the worst team in football by a landslide. It's a team that may not win a game all year. So the Seahawks got the win. They needed to knock over, as I like to say, the tomato can. But let's not put any kind of importance on how they did it, what it looked like, and let's move on to the next game in seven days against the Washington football team. Yeah, to an extent there. I think that you can learn, you know, some things from this game, but not in terms of, you know, is their offense entirely back on track? Is their defense still what we thought it might be with the way that it's been, you know, turning itself around after that historically bad start to the season? I mean, this is not only one of the just worst teams or the worst team in general in the NFL. It is a very, very bad offense. Sam Darnold ranks, you know, heading into this game was 32nd among qualifying quarterbacks in QBR. Jets were second to last, or I'm sorry, last in passing yards per game. So I don't think defensively you were going to learn a whole lot. But that said, when you hold any team to three points, I mean, that's nothing to, you know, shake a stick at or whatever the, the saying goes there. And really, it should have been a more dominant defensive performance. They had, they forced that fumble and they should have had three interceptions. They dropped three interceptions and that wasn't, you know, those weren't plays where it would have been some incredible play. You know, Jamal Adams had the ball bounce off his chest. Ugo Amadi, you know, had one that, that I think he would probably tell you he gets more often than not. And then they had kind of the fluke one where KJ Wright and Puna Ford ran into each other. But that should have been four takeaways ways in the game and uh, they did get the one though Adams Jamal Adams against his former team we talked about it all week he finds himself in the NFL history books as a result yeah sack number 8.5 on the season and that breaks the the record for most in a single season by a defensive back since sacks became a official stat in 1982 and so you figured it was only a matter of time before he was break was going to break the record he just had you know, he was so close and, and had enough games to play and they're using him as a blitzer as much as they are so you figured that it was going to happen at some point and what a better time to do it against his former team and really the, the play that he got the record on I didn't realize it at first he didn't realize it at first either because it wasn't your traditional sack where you drop the quarterback he got credit for a sack because he forced Sam Darnold out of, out of bounds yeah. for a one-yard loss on a scramble and so right he got the record there, and he said that he was going to celebrate Warren Sapp style. He's going to do Warren Sapp sack dance, uh, but he didn't realize that he got it. And so, um, look, that is Jamal Adams' impact. He's uh, we've talked about this before. You know, people knock him for the coverage. Uh, he he dropped the interception. You know, I think he he made a pretty good break on the ball. It looked like he read Sam Darnold's eyes, made a nice break on the ball, but dropped it. His biggest impact this season, as we've seen, is as a pass rusher, and uh, he did it again in this game. Has a couple pressures couple hits aside from the sack that he got dk metcalf has been remarkable this year you're going to tell us that he he broke some sort of a record joey galloway's record did you say joey galloway's record for the most receiving yards through a player's first two seasons in franchise history so he got it on the first catch he made he's been remarkable yeah he's dropped some balls yeah he had the uh the momentary brain fart when he watched himself instead of uh, running into the end zone. He lost the ball against the Patriots. He's had a, a remarkable season by any stretch. So am I being nitpicky when I bring up the grabbing the camera, getting the 15-yard penalty? Should Seahawks fans giggle about that? Should they be concerned about that? Could something like that come back to haunt the team? Are there COVID issues with him grabbing a camera? Or should we just ignore 
the whole thing after his touchdown. Yeah, you mentioned the COVID issues. That's the one thing I wondered about after the sack or after that celebration more so than is this a trend that you've got to worry about. I wondered about, you know, he's going into the stands and grabbing a camera that a cameraman was just operating, uh, you know, holding those handles and everything. So uh, who knows? Nothing may come of that. That, that's just, that was just a thought that came to my mind. But as far as is this something that the Seahawks have to be worried about in terms of him celebrating and costing the team 15 yards, I would say that if he was more – if, if what we've seen from DK Metcalf over almost two full seasons gave you the impression that he was the stereotypical diva wide receiver, look at me guy, then I would be maybe more concerned about that. But he's he just doesn't come off as that guy. He, he really sort of has a lot of anti-diva qualities to him. And so uh, I know there was the play against Dallas where he started celebrating too early. And, and this was, I mean, this celebration Dallas, sort of, yeah, against Dallas, and this one, I mean, this sort of had, you know, Chad Ochocinco, Terrell Owens kind of flair to it, but he just hasn't really been that type of guy, I don't okay. think. Washington is next. Everybody is saying this is a much better football team, clearly, than the team that they just played, but a, a team that's improving. We don't know about Alex Smith's health. He came out of the 49ers-Washington game early in the game or in the midst of the game with a calf injury. We do know they're very good defensively. We do know they drafted Chase Young. We do know they get after the quarterback. You don't want to play that game if you can help it without Brandon Shell. He came back from an ankle injury and then went out with an ankle. Same ankle and what's... Uh, what are they saying after the game? Yeah, that was the impression that Carroll gave us, and, and I don't believe anybody asked him specifically if it was the same ankle, but that was the assumption that, yeah, Carroll said that he just tweaked his ankle a couple times in the game, uh, and he said he tweaked it one too many times. So he left the game, I think, right before halftime and did not come back. So they were, again, down to their number four right tackle in Chad Weather because Cedric Oboehe and Jamarco Jones were both out. And so Carroll really offered no assurances whatsoever that Shell was going to be back this week. He said it's going to be a touch-and-go week, uh, and that he doesn't know what that means for the Washington game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think I – think I may, I'm going to pat myself on the back here, Mitch. I'm go not going to tell. I'm not going to tell a joke, but I'm going to pat myself okay. on the back. <laughs> we were talking about you know this four-game stretch when it first started, and 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 I made the point that you know teams you know have a way of of changing sort of the way you you perceive them over you know even over a couple weeks. And so one of those games, as easy as it looks at that time, it may not look as easy uh, as it ends up being. And so or it may not be as uh, that easy when it comes time for that game to come around. And so I think this is a perfect example. You know, Washington was, they had four wins, and then they've since, you know, handed the Pittsburgh Steelers their only loss. They won again uh, Sunday, albeit, you know, against a, a five-win 49ers team that's not really playing for a whole lot right now. But it still is another cross-country trip, and it's at a, 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 at a stadium that has a field uh, that is kind of notorious for being difficult. Um, and so it, it's just a lot of uncertainty there. And then, obviously, you know, the potential to not have to play Alex Smith uh, would be significant if you know I'm sure they would rather face Dwayne Haskins sure. uh, or anybody else but um, yeah this, this is a game that looks a little bit harder than it did even a few weeks ago well I'll give you a you want a little Mr. Mr. Postseason tidbit something that only Mr. Postseason and you know we can share with our with our audience the truth of the matter is mm. the Washington game for the Seahawks is not as important as you might think with the Seahawks jostling for position in the NFC West with just a few weeks to go. That's the truth. Because if, if, the, if the Seattle Seahawks lose to Washington, but win the final two games, 
They will win the NFC West regardless of the Washington game and regardless of what the Rams do. There's a, there's a little bit of... There's a little bit of Mr. Postseason for you at ESPN and ESPN.com. How about that? You haven't heard that before, I'll bet. I have not. Now, can Mr. Postseason tell me what that would mean in terms of the number one, number two, number three seed? Well, no, no. Obviously, a loss to Washington would very much impact that. But if we're just just considering the NFC West, if they lose to Washington, they would at worst fall one game behind the Rams, right? If the Rams win – at the same time, yeah. if they then turn around and beat the Rams and beat the 49ers, they would finish in no worse than a tie with the Rams for the NFC West. In that particular tie, they will have split the head-to-head and it would come down to divisional record. The Seahawks would beat the Rams in divisional record because the Niners have lost in that scenario. They've lost two games to the 49ers the Rams would have in that that's scenario. right the Rams would have lost two games of the 49ers and one game to the Seahawks in that same scenario the Seahawks would have lost one game to the Cardinals and one game to the Rams so in the scenario where Seattle loses to Washington but wins the final two they guarantee themselves the NFC West by virtue of the divisional record tiebreaker four to two versus three and three four and two versus three and three how about that you and you said it never is educational coming on mitch unfiltered i I don't know who said that but (laughs) so so in other words if you're ranking the seahawks most important games over the final three weeks it's this is rams yep 49ers right washington correct this is the least important of the games as it pertains, I don't want to be misquoted, Mr. Postseason doesn't want to be misquoted, <laughs> as it pertains to the division title, not as it pertains to the one or two seed in the NFC, as it pertains to the NFC West title, this game really has very little importance. But that's that. That's all. Now, now before you go, I want to know, because I don't know that a lot of our listeners listen to the note table. I don't know what percentage of our listeners that are listening right now listen to our Seahawks note table for patrons with you, you, me, and Joe. How does it feel to be talking to the new leader? How, how does it feel? Do you want me to sign an autograph and send it over? You want me to – is there anything like I sign a napkin? How do you – do you feel honored to be in the presence of the new KP leader as it turns out? Yeah, maybe I could go pick my ball out of the schmutz, as you called it, <laughs> and uh, I'll toss it to you, and you can sign it to me and toss it back. Okay. How about that? Okay, it's the schmutz, not oh, the, the schmutz. schmutz. <laughs> not the okay. schmutz. It's the schmutz. I know. Schmutz. You know how I know? Because I hit it in the schmutz all the time. I'm great at hitting it out of, out of the schmutz. Ladies and gentlemen, Brady Henderson, follow him all week as the Seahawks get ready for this titanic battle with the Washington football <laughs> team. In Washington, Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN.com, Seahawks Insider on Twitter. He'll be with us again with the Seahawks Note Table coming up this week for the Patriots. Thank you, Brady. Okay, you bet. Thanks, Mitch. Down to the nitty-gritty of the football season. We've had our fireplace working overtime in the Levy family the last few weeks. Great to welcome back in to Mitch Unfiltered, the owner of our friends at Fireside Home Solutions, John Waterstrat is with us. John, how are things going with the governor's decision to clamp back down for you guys the last couple of weeks? 
Well, thanks for asking, Mitch. And uh, I know it's tough out there, especially for those restaurant workers and some other industries that have been hurt hard. We feel for them and we're here for you guys. And uh, we have had some different changes uh, with the capacity of our stores. So again, we are limiting the amount of people coming in there. We want to make sure the health and safety of those people that are visiting us. We ask everyone that if you do want to come down, please make an appointment. If you don't, no big deal. We have a border set up, kind of like at a movie theater. Mm -hmm. We'll come get you as soon as we reach you when you come in the door, just to make sure there's not too many people in the showroom. We're trying to keep that into that 25% capacity. So the health and safety of our customers is our top priority. Are you running into any small delays, John, in receiving units from manufacturers as a result of the latest here with COVID? not out of the normal that we've seen in the last, you know, six months that we've been kind of going through this. Truck drivers getting sick, so trying to find another person. Our manufacturers are actually done really, really well monitoring their cases, doing their temperature checks. If they do have people, quarantining them, keeping them away from each other. So if one does have it, they can keep the manufacturer lines going, but just little delays. But again, customers have been really, really great. If we have delays, we're calling them. They've been very, very gracious at this time. So our members, of Mitch Unfiltered, the audience members of Mitch Unfiltered want to start the process. How long are they looking at from beginning to end, from the time they maybe make an appointment to be in one of your showrooms to the time that they're enjoying their fireplace with their families in their living room? Uh, we've spoke about this before, Mitch. It's a, it's a great question. So from the door, you'll get to be able to look at some good units. We'll send out an expert to come do some measurements, and then we'll get you on the installation board. Between that, the showroom, the measurements, and then getting you on the board, anywhere between three to four weeks, and then we can have that beautiful fireplace. Uh, we all know that it's really cold out there right now, especially on those cold evenings as we're staying home more. Just that family gathering area, we can gain that nice warmth and comfort in your home. Three to four weeks, start your search for a brand new fireplace at our sponsor, Mitch Unfiltered sponsor, Fireside Home Solutions, firesidehomesolutions.com. Unfiltered. I'm leaning Army over Navy. Minus five Sunday. and a half. Yes. Tyler straight off the right side and into the end zone. Touchdown, Army! For the cherry. Yep. I'm going to say the Cornhuskers are going to make it two in a row, giving nine. Ibrahim next to it. Direct snap, Ibrahim charging forward, and there's the touchdown. It took a while, but the Gophers, they'd waited all night long. They needed it. And for the nuts. Yes. And you know how I like to protect my nuts. And you do well with the nuts. I am taking Ball State. They have not blown this dead yet. Moore is up and running. They have Down not the blown this dead yet. Sky Moore to the end zone. That's a Western Michigan touchdown. Oh, my. That's a, that's a, that's a forward pass. So this is over. He's the lead college football analyst for CBS. He's a, a former head coach many times over. He's my friend and an all-around nice guy. Rick Neuheisel, presented by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app, which asks you not to forget to order ahead on the app, and your meal will be awaiting you just inside the front door. How's Rick Neuheisel? Normally, there's no place like New York this time of year, but it must be a bit weird 
this holiday season. A bit uh, desolate. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, not the normal holiday flair, although they're working hard to create it. It just, the hustle and bustle is not here. And uh, I got my fingers crossed when I return a year from now that it will be back because it's certainly uh, it's certainly a, a great place to be at this time of year. You know, Rick, you gave us a solid week. You gave us Army minus the points last week for our Sunday which yep. was, and I'll give you the, the sophisticated bell, that's a winner. You, uh, you always take care of the nuts, you told us. And you took, you took Ball State, interesting enough, Ball State uh, as the nuts, uh, people have pointed out. That was a winner, I'll give you a bell. The cherry was rancid. It was rancid. Nebraska, <laughs> Nebraska minus lots of points in a game that didn't even win against Minnesota, right? I should have gone San Jose State again. I should have gone San Jose State again. But, you know, I thought Scott Frost was on to something. Who knew Scott was not? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a solid week. Yeah. And, you know. It was a solid neat and you know, week, I, yeah. I, I, I felt- I'm not, I, you're not, you're not going to get any, any sort of, uh, hey, oh, woe is me type no, no, of speech no, 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 from no, no, me. No, 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 no. I, I have a speech for you, in fact. Okay. Uh, because I, I kind of found myself inspired by the solid week. And everyone is always asking you to sing. For all these years, everybody's asking you. For the last 30 years, I remember in Tahoe at a golf tournament, people asking you to sing. You sing on CBS. You sing on the Dan Patrick Show. You sing on Sirius XM. You've sung on our radio show and now our podcast. Always singing. Well, Ball State and Army, I think, really left me no other choice, Rick Neuheisel. <laughs> Are you ready? Please. <laughs> Ricky, you can pick a whole night. <laughs> but that ain't paying the mortgage. You've tried the SEC, the Big Ten, and more. Exhausting all possibilities. Maybe bowl games will treat you right. That's if they ever even see the light. COVID cases putting up a fight. I wish you wouldn't keep me chasing. I paid the vig and I laid the points. Trusting you every step of the way. Backdoor covers have lost me my voice. But you've been cold so very long. Hanukkah gifts haven't been so strong. All I can do is keep on telling you love army and ball state. But there ain't no way Huskers ever beaten Gophers, so don't be sad. Cause two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> now don't be sad.
Cause two out of three ain't bad. Ricky, we can pick all nine. But that ain't getting us nowhere. There you go. What's a holiday season without a little meatloaf? <laughs> oh, I had that to was outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That has been the highlight of 2020. I want to okay. know how, how many times has Dan Patrick sung to you? How many you times have the guys on CBS, how many times has Softy sung to When has anybody ever sung to Rick Neuheisel? I am going to tell each and every one of them. <laughs> They're out. Uh, I have a new. I have a new favorite. Uh, They're out. Uh, Mitchie, well. that was outstanding. <laughs> Meatloaf, uh, that is very, very best. <laughs> Ball State uh, should be so proud that uh, they actually made a college football parody song. <laughs> that it, it doesn't happen, and yet you did it. You did it. Well, when I did it, I, I said to myself, "This has got to be the highlight of my segment." with Rick Neuheisel this week, and then some guy decided to throw a shoe <laughs> at, <laughs> in, the Florida, in the Florida LSU game. And I started thinking, boy, CBS network executives getting ready for the SEC championship game are not too thrilled that the young man decided to throw a shoe and lose the game in a potential Final Four berth for Florida. And first of all, was it the right call? And then, I mean, all these years, how many years have you been watching football? Have you ever seen such a thing? This has such a long backdrop, right? <laughs> this is such a long backdrop. We go back to when John Swafford in the ACC decides Notre Dame and Clemson shouldn't have to play their final game. They really shouldn't. And we'll say it in a public statement we'll call it for the integrity of the ACC championship. Okay. We'll say integrity in the, in, in the, in the announcement that says that these two teams are going to not have to play their final game. Right. Then we learned that Michigan can't play in the game, big game against Ohio state. Right. And so the athletic directors in the big 10 get together on a conference call and say, Hey, hey look, we got to give our buddy, Gary Barta, the old assistant athletic director at Washington, now the athletic director at Iowa, and also the spokesperson for the college football playoff committee. We got to give him the data point he so craves because he's going to put Ohio State in there, <laughs> right. whether he played four, five, or six. Right. But at least he can say now they're Big Ten champs. <laughs> right. So we're going to every, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Unanimous. Right. <laughs> and, and Greg Sankey in the SEC, who. <laughs> I mean, God bless him. He's been trying to do it just exactly right. Uh -huh. And he thinks that by saying we're going to have played 69 of 70 games, that he's going to get a pat on the back. Mm. But instead, he gets a Florida DB oh, God. to tackle a LSU tight end on a third and forever yep. for a three-yard gain that is going to finally put the ball back in Kyle Trask's hands and get this nightmare over of 34-34 thriller at the time and get Florida to Atlanta unscathed. But he tackles the guy and picks up his Nike and whips it 20 yards. Yeah. Mm. And the officials standing there go, well, what was that? <laughs> what just went by my head? And what do we do and now? <laughs> what do we do now? They look around and, and both two flags come rolling in. He whipped a shoe. Now, 
I asked you before we actually came on the air, I said, did you see the Northwestern Wisconsin game just a few weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. Wisconsin got beat by the pesky fighting Fitzes, right? Yeah. Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach there. And on one of the big plays on third down, a stop, actually it turned out to be an interception. The Northwestern defender ends up stealing two towels that are hanging from the Wisconsin receiver's waistlines yeah, right everybody yeah. kind of wears a towel it looks right, right. streamlined you know it's a tassel if you will he took them he, and he ran off the field now he didn't throw them 20 yards that was the difference he stole them i don't know which is worse but the fact that the throwing of the shoe cost 15 yards and cost florida a chance at the national championship will not be something we will soon forget let me ask you a quick question was there any receiver in the area of the shoe because i i think that uh, that could be grounding i don't think he i think he's between the tackles there and i uh, that shoe that shoe coupled with the shoe of the kicker who knocked one through from 57 yards will go that? into some oh. very very prominent place on the that? campus so i'm assuming Assuming that, well, but based on what you just said, I was going to say that Ohio State is the biggest beneficiary of the the shoe toss and the subsequent penalty because now Ohio State doesn't have to worry about yeah. Florida beating Ohio State's Alabama. in. Right. They win, yeah. they're, in. they're in. You're exactly right. That's right. How about Cincinnati or anybody else benefit from this? Who else benefits from this? The fact that Cincinnati fell behind Iowa State to me is proof positive that the Group of Five has no chance. Okay. So. Potentially, you know, a very dominant win by a group of uh, by a Big 12 team could get there. A giant win by Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies should Clemson get beaten and beaten soundly by Notre Dame might get them there. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, we we're we're left with what we have, Alabama, Ohio State and the two from the ACC. Mm. Do you think that the ACC should get get grief for not making Notre Dame and Clemson play, for giving them a week off and protecting them before the ACC championship game? I think uh, the committee is just looking the other way. I really do. I mean, Greg Sankey can shout to the wind, but they're looking the other way. They just want this over and they want their great brands. And right now they have four great brands. So you would have done the same thing if you were the ACC commissioner. Given, given the rules of engagement, I have no problem with John, with John Swafford did do. I think it from outside looking in, it looks a little bit less than authentic. Yes. 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 I absolutely do. Do I think what the big 12, big 10 did is less than authentic? Yes, I think it is. You're the ones who made the rule. Why'd you make it? Mm. I mean, what the heck did you do? Uh, and, and, and they're going to get to play Iowa this week. That's a heck of a game. That's actually a better game in my mind than the Northwestern game that, mm. that the Buckeyes will play. But you did it because you're trying to give a data point because Barry Alvarez has been on that committee and now they've got another Big Ten guy on it and Gary Barta, and they're trying to help him. It looks bad from the outside. I mean, we're going to have, let's just say USC wins this weekend, okay, and gets six to six and oh. USC, you and I would both agree, has as great a brand in college football history as most Correct. in the world of college football. Now, Correct. it isn't recent, Correct. but six and oh, they're going to be the same six and oh record as Ohio State if Ohio State takes care of Northwestern, as we both expect. And you, USC isn't even in the conversation. Right. Not That's even, yeah. a problem with the system. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Completely agree. And while you're talking about USC, I joked in our last segment 
We've got Washington calling off the Oregon game. At the time of this recording, I guess, still trying to play in the Pac-12 championship game, I joked that Jimmy Lake was writing his emotional statement of disappointment of having to cancel the game while wearing a Pac-12 North champion hat and T-shirt as he penned <laughs> the, uh, the statement. Listen, the conspiracy theories are going to run amok, right? I have no information as to what happened, what didn't happen. We all understand COVID and the implications of COVID and what it means with contact tracing. So it is what it is. But it's, it's a dang shame that Colorado and USC didn't get to play the week before when they knew this was going to happen. And they could have changed the, uh, the schedule and got them to at least play one another. Now Colorado ended up losing and USC ended up winning. So it's not right. such a big deal, but I can understand why Oregon fans are livid. Right. I can totally well, understand it. Well, my question, so what do you do for them? Well, my question is, should Jen Cohen, should she had at the time of the announcement of canceling the Oregon game. Is it naive of me to say that she should have said, you know what, we can't play because of a COVID outbreak and we're going to take ourselves out of six days later. If we can't play on a Saturday against Oregon, we really shouldn't play six days later on a Friday in the Pac-12 championship game. She didn't say that. No, she didn't. And I don't know that I would have said it. I would have fought tooth and nail to try to play the next week. Okay. I mean, that's what it is. We're all competitors. We want to play. We want to play for as big a prizes as we can play for. And the rules of engagement are these. So let's play. Uh, now we'll wait and see if they're able to go down to the Coliseum and play the Trojans. Mm-hmm. And if not, obviously it'll be Oregon that will. But, yeah. but uh, I, I don't know that I would just give in just because I couldn't play the week before USC didn't give in to Colorado. They didn't offer an olive branch. Hey, you know, we both tie you go because we couldn't play you. So I I don't think the same standard should be asked of uh, Washington. I want to ask you about the legendary USC UCLA rivalry in a moment because a, a, a listener of Mitch Unfiltered has asked me, requested that I, uh, I, I play the hits. You know, they've requested a song. <laughs> and we'll get to that song in a second. I, I think the song is going to be a This is your Wolfman segment? <laughs> <laughs> my Casey, Request line my, now open? Yeah, my Casey Kasem uh, deal. Before we get there, Auburn's head coaching job is now open. I know Illinois is too, and Arizona is too. Gus Malzahn, 68 and 34 over eight years. He won a national championship. He played on New Year's Day a bunch of times, or at least a handful of times. It's a tough spot when 68 and 34 is not good enough. I guess at Auburn, it's not good enough. First of all, the right decision to move him out. And second of all, I think everybody's now going to watch. That's a pretty interesting job. Is that Sark's gig? Sark going to leave Alabama and go be the head coach of Auburn? Is it going to be somebody else? Is it going to be Rick Neuheisel? Who's it going to be? My guess is it will come down between Sark Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze. And I'm going to lean towards Hugh Freeze. Lane and Sark are, are obviously both very talented coaches and Lane made some noise this year at uh, Ole Miss. Sark is, you know, enjoying life as the coordinator there at Alabama, making head coaching money 2.5 per and not having to do very much other than just call plays. So that's a nice life, and we'll see what Sark wants to do. But uh, going and playing against the the grandmaster as he's now working for doesn't sound to me to be the optimum place to land. You're implying that he's going to get the first shot at the job, and he might turn it down. That's what you're no, saying. I, I'm just. It's, I actually think uh, there's a war going on in the in the 
internal world at Auburn to try to get uh, Hugh Freeze. Remember, Hugh Freeze beat the Grandmaster, <laughs> Nick Saban. He he beat him twice, he, and he's the only coach to beat him twice other than Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn wore out Auburn fans because when he wasn't in line to beat Alabama, he was finishing third, fourth, fifth. And, he, and he, they weren't in the conversation nearly enough for Auburn fans liking, especially as they have to listen to Alabama fans on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So they want better and, and they're willing to pay $21 million better, of which half of it, Mitch, has to be delivered within 30 days. I saw that. So Merry Christmas, Gus, <laughs> or Happy Hanukkah, Gus. Whatever it is, you're going to you're gonna be just fine. His, Han- you know, his Hanukkah gifts are going to be fairly strong, right? They're yeah, they're going to be, gonna like, be <laughs> big, big move to the hoop for Gus. But uh, the bottom line is, I think they're going to go with one of those guys who okay. they think can score with uh, Alabama, and we'll see what happens. Okay, dear Mitch... I was sent a video. Dear Mitch, you know, with USC and UCLA renewing its rivalry, we've been all watching that rivalry. Even me on the East Coast, I was watching that rivalry as a kid. Uh, Our guest Rick Neuheisel played in it many years, coached in it many years. Someone is asking for me to ask you your version of the story of a certain Seattle Seahawks current head coach who was the coach of USC at the time. Deciding to throw a long pass with Barkley was Barkley is I think Barkley Matt was Barkley his, I was Matt Barkley threw the pass. You, yeah. you were it wasn't a long pass. It was probably from twenty five yards out. Okay, maybe maybe thirty. Okay, and a, you, thirty yard touchdown. They had the game won. You called apparently a timeout. Twenty one to, to seven the, was yeah. the score. Yeah. Twenty one to seven was the score. And your look was not. I, I watched the video, boy. Your look, you 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 had a blank. I've never seen New Heisel so pale. And you, well. <laughs> Let me just say this. My days at UCLA, we were underdogs more often than not. And that was certainly the case in all four of our our tries against uh, USC. And this was uh, try two, uh, Pete's last year. Okay. And we're down 21 to seven. We actually had some chances in the game, but just weren't good enough offensively uh, to really beat them. And they had the ball and they could run out the clock if I didn't use my timeouts. Well, as they ran the ball on first down, I called one of my timeouts. And I think I drew the ire of Pete by calling a timeout and not just giving in. Uh, because we're probably, I don't know if it was inside a minute, right right around a minute left in the game. Maybe a little less. Uh, and I called a timeout. And so he said, okay, you want to keep playing? We're going to play. And he threw a touchdown pass with Matt Barkley over the top of us and with the post route. Mm-hmm. And uh, the score went from 21-7, to 28-7. Big deal for me. I I was trying to get the ball back. (laughs) And when I was asked after the game, uh, what did I think of it? I said, he did exactly what I hoped he would do. We weren't good enough to sack him, strip the ball, pick up a fumble and run it back for a touchdown. Uh, If he takes a knee and I don't take timeouts, it's 21-7 and we're still just as defeated as we are here today. So big deal. Uh, but ultimately by him getting, you know, upset about it, he did what I wanted him to. And I, I unfortunately didn't, wasn't good enough to sack him and get the ball. Yeah. Any fallout from that? Any, any talk? Pete and and I've had plenty of head knocking. That was way, way more sexy than that. Way (laughs) way more sexy than that. Yeah. Pete, Pete, it all started when I was the head coach at, at, at Washington. 
and Pete had just gotten the job at USC and he brought Carson Palmer and his Trojans to Husky stadium. And we kicked a field goal literally with one second left on the clock. John Anderson striped it through and we beat him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went across to tell him congratulations. Nice job. And welcome, you know, that kind of thing. First time we'd ever played. And he said, we'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I have no doubt. And, uh, they whipped us the next year. We went down there and they, you know, put one on us uh, in, in 2002 and they were back. They, they put, he put together one of the great programs in, in college football history uh, in that time at SC where they were playing for the national championship or winning the national championship almost every year. Mm -hmm. And the PAC 12 desperately needs a program like that desperately needs a program like that. And uh, we got to get somebody with this, the, the, the swashbuckling uh, stuff that Pete Carroll has to get that done. Mm. Okay. We've come to the end. We've had some singing. We've had some laughs. We've had a shoe that was thrown. We have not decided whether it was intentional grounding and whether it was a receiver in the area. We'll go back to the, <laughs> we'll go back to the video on that, but what we haven't had. And now in, a, in consecutive weeks, you've, you've put together some solid efforts in consecutive weeks, one that inspired me to sing meatloaf. So, yes, I, so, I love your meatloaf, so, so. especially in time. Not leftovers either. That was right out of the oven. That was good stuff. Uh, so where we go? We got an SEC championship game this week. Yes, we do. We don't have. A, I'm assuming we don't have that a lot line, of games. That line. That line. I actually like Alabama there, but I would tell your listeners to take Alabama there in the first half, and and moreover, I think you would take the over in the first half because Dan Mullen is going to to scheme the heck out of it. Florida will score some points there. I don't know what the, the over under is. Maybe you can look I'm that looking up. It up I'll right bet now. You, I'll bet you that there will be 35 points scored in the first half of that game. So you 35. want, you want over the total in the first half. We're going first half totals now, huh? Well, what, what, what is the over of, of, of the game? I got Alabama Florida. I've got Alabama minus 17. Right. And I see 74 and a half. Okay. So it might be <laughs> a little higher than that. Yeah. I, I would say I still, I'm going to go 42. I'm going to say 42 points will be scored in the first half of that game. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's the first. Is that the Sunday? Is that a cherry? Is that the nuts? What is that? We're going, uh, we're going cherry there. Okay. Cherry there. Okay. Okay. And I'm sticking, I'm staying away. I'm staying far away from Nebraska. Scotty Frost, I, I'm not sure what's going on there. But I'm taking Air Force over Army. Air Force over Army. Right after Army cashed for you. Yeah. You, minus turn, you turn your back right on them the very next week. Air Force. Air Force okay. will uh, – and it's for the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. Uh-huh. And Army just went through a very emotional victory there in Mikey Stadium. Now they got to get ready again. Air Force, to me, is going to come in with a little bit more offensive firepower than what we saw uh, along the banks of the Hudson there. Air Force minus two is the Sunday from Rick Neuheisel for week whatever it is, 15. That's my nuts. Oh, that's your the nuts. Sunday. Oh, that's the nuts. The Sunday. Oh, okay. All right. The Sunday. Yeah is you take Oklahoma over Iowa State. I thought Iowa State was so good. They are good, but they're not fast enough. And uh, Spencer Rattler, the quarterback for Oklahoma, and they've got a running back that wasn't available for him, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, I, I just like Oklahoma trending to get their 
fifth in a row. Okay. They're given uh, five. Big 12 championships. Depending upon where you look at it, it looks four and a half, five, six, somewhere in there. Five, five Oklahoma, and a half. Oklahoma will win by double digits. Okay. You didn't touch the Clemson-Notre Dame game, but I guess we have a couple of weeks for it. We have a, we have a week off for that. No, no, no. That's, no. Coming that's up. this week. That's, that's right. This that's right. That's this week. Now, they may, they may decide that they're not going to play. John Swafford <laughs> might say, for the integrity of the ACC, we're not going to play because we'd like both teams to get to the playoff. I can't, I can't imagine. I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I can't imagine that Clemson's not going to win going away against Notre Dame. But I, what do I know? It's 10 and a half or 11 points. It's a lot of points. If Notre Dame's in. pretty darn good defensively. They really are. And uh, their young offensive coordinator, a kid by the name of Tommy Reese, who you recall yeah, you played quarterback me. there. Yeah. His dad and I were, uh, were uh, coaching uh, staff members at UCLA years and years ago. Okay. Tommy Reese has done a nice job building an offense with a bunch of what we call 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, mm-hmm. and kind of making it work with Ian Book. Okay, we've got the Sunday, we've got the nuts, we've got the cherry, we've had a good chat with Rick Neuheisel. It's all brought to you by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app. Order ahead and your meal will be waiting for you just inside the door. A week from now, we'll be chatting about what to expect from the... Actually, by the time we chat, the committee may have already spoken. Is that right? Is that right? They'll, the, they'll, they'll the committee speak. will have spoken by the time okay. you and I okay, uh, congregate goody. next week. Goody. And we will then uh, dissect Very what good. those learned 13 will have come up with. <laughs> Fantastic. Rick Neuheisel, CBS college football analyst and our buddy. Thank you, Rick. Have a great week. Thank you for the song, Mitch. Happy holidays <laughs> to one and all. Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered, a great partner. And still, Jordan, an incredible time to look at purchasing, look at refinancing, because the numbers remain so low, and it looks like they're going to remain low for a long time. Yeah, it's great to be back on, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. Rates are incredibly low still for purchases and refis. They're still in the high twos right now with everything going on, and they're going to be staying low for uh, the foreseeable future. So what's the rule of thumb? You've got a listener here listening to Jordan Flowers, hearing Jordan Flowers from time to time on the podcast and wondering if it's best to pick up the phone and call him or some other mortgage person, what numbers do they need to see on their 30-year fix that would encourage them to at least consider a refinance? Yeah, I'd say still looking at 3.253375 or above is uh, at least warrants a phone call, depending on how long you've been in that mortgage. Maybe we can cut off five to seven years or just lower the interest rate with the same payoff term or look at other options as far as a new 30-year fix or pulling cash out to do some uh, home renovations or take care of some things you've been thinking about needing to do. So anything that's about three and a quarter, 3.375 or higher. I think the common misconception uh, in the business is, oh, I've got to start all over. The clock goes back to zero and 30 years starts all over. That's not necessarily the case. There are a million ways to do this, including a common one, which keeps you right where you are in your mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a common thought. And a lot of companies do just have kind of your standard 20 or 30 or 15 year options. Uh, We do kind of customize that 30 year option where we can set it to any term of months, however far into your payment you are, we can set it at 21 and a half months, 22 months, 27 months, or 27 years, whatever they're needing, we can look at. So I want to go about the business of checking into this 
How long is the phone call with you and what kind of information do I need to have ready that you're going to ask me about? Yeah, if you call in, it's probably five to seven minutes. If you've got your mortgage statement, most recent statement available that has all the information on it for us to run some quick numbers and see if it makes sense to move forward and get a little more detailed than application in. And the phone number I call? Cell phone's 425-890-2957. Office line is 425-250-3145. An opportunity for a lot of us to save a lot of money every single month with a five to seven minute phone call he has compiled a great team jordan flowers as it's the kirkland office of gill mortgage unfiltered is being made the fastest development production and distribution of a vaccine ever in this country. Ten months after the lockdowns began, you're looking at Pfizer's main vaccine manufacturing facility in Kalamazoo, Michigan this morning, where those vaccines will be loaded onto FedEx and UPS trucks fanning out across the nation. Well, I'm fully aware that so many of you and us are sick and tired of hearing about COVID. However, significant news Late last week, as the Pfizer vaccine was cleared by the FDA, frontline healthcare workers, at risk senior citizens could be vaccinated as early as this week. And Dr. Ali Nuri is a molecular biologist. He's the president of the Federation of American Biologists. He's back with us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Ali, happy holidays. Happy holidays. It's great to be with you, Mitch. The news. Talk to me about your. Your reaction to the news, it's being poo-pooed in many circles because either of a hesitance to be vaccinated or just a disappointment over how long it'll take to get to us. Your thoughts on all of that? Right. That's a great point, Mitch. I think, you know, there's two issues with this vaccine to keep in mind. The fact is that we should be extremely proud of the fact that we have been able to make a vaccine in really record time. Uh, It's taken less than a year from the time this virus was identified and sequenced to the time where we have a vaccine that is highly effective and has been shown to be safe in clinical trials in record time. Typically, this sort of thing takes years, as you know. This combination of Pfizer and BioNTech did it in less than a year. Having said that, I think it is important to keep in mind that initially the supplies are going to be extremely limited. We're talking about 40 million doses right off the bat. That's enough for 20 million people. And we have a country of 350 million people. So it's gonna take a long time for people like me and you, Mitch, to be vaccinated. And we have to remember that these next few months the winter months in particular, when people start spending a lot of time indoors, which is the place where we know this virus likes to thrive, these are gonna be very dangerous months. So, so, so we can't drop down our guard, but hey, this is great news. Eventually we'll all be vaccinated. It's just gonna take a long time. Ali, it's hard for me to get my arms about what you just said, around what you just said, and I'll tell you why. It's amazing that we are, as a country and as a world, brilliant enough, sophisticated enough to be able to come up with this vaccine in record time, eight, nine months, and yet you're telling me that we're not sophisticated enough and not brilliant enough to be able then to get it out to people under seven, eight, nine months. There's something that just doesn't add up about all of that. 
that's exactly what I'm saying, Major. You're absolutely right. The issue here is once you have the technology that's proven and it works, you have to scale it up. And that means you have to mass produce this vaccine for hundreds of millions of people in record time, something that's never done before at this pace and this scale. And we simply don't have the infrastructure and the logistics in place at the moment to deliver those doses, not for another six to 12 months. Again, these companies have been developing a good number of vaccines as they've been going through the clinical trial process, but we're talking about 40 million doses, not nearly enough. Pfizer has said they're gonna have another 100 million doses around the March, April timeframe. So after that, when once you start covering those healthcare workers, frontline workers, critical infrastructure workers, the highly vulnerable older population, then once you get into the summer months and even into the fall, then you're talking about the time where you're going to see really widespread vaccine coverage covering a wide portion of the population. When do you think? Give me a best guess. Stick your neck out. We like to predict baseball and football and basketball games on this podcast. You get to predict the really important stuff. Allie, when do you think that Allie and Mitch can go get a vaccine? My my guess is Allie and Mitch will probably be able to get a vaccine in the July, August, September time frame. That's, that's assuming everything goes well. That's assuming we don't have massive hiccups along the way in this infrastructure and uh, distribution pipeline, which is a very, very complicated thing, as you know, Mitch. Mm -hmm. I mean, the states ultimately and clinics, hospitals, healthcare providers in states are ultimately the ones that are going to be administrating this vaccine. And a lot of these entities, at the moment at least, just don't have adequate funding to really scale up and meet the kind of demand. And that's going to take a long time. And a lot of hiccups could happen yeah. along the way. But, but, but in my view, best case scenario, we're looking at getting vaccinated in the summer of, or, 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 or the next fall. Does the vaccine prevent contracting the virus, Dr. Nuri, or just asymptomatic symptoms of the virus that we could get the virus but we would not be symptomatic that's an excellent question mitch so 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 in the clinical trials they look for the prevention of disease the, so 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 the 95 percent effectiveness really refers to the fact that 95 percent of the uh the individuals um who who may have been exposed to this virus didn't get the virus that's a very highly effective, remarkable number. That does not mean that you cannot get the virus asymptomatically transmitted to somebody else. We, we don't have the answer to that question at the moment. Um, what I suspect is that it will also reduce the likelihood of asymptomatic disease transmission because at the end of the day, you would expect the vaccine to knock down the virus levels in your body 
whether that is going to have symptomatic manifestations or asymptomatic manifestations. But the, the proof uh, has yet to be shown on that point. So we'll just have to continue studying it until we have the answer to that. Ali, what's the difference between these four, five, six vaccines? And if you're saying Mitch is not going to be able to get one till July or August of 2021, will Mitch then have a choice of the Pfizer one or the Johnson one or some other vaccine? Uh, well, potentially, Mitch, uh, the, 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 the difference between the vaccines uh, is is really in the way that uh, they're delivered into your body. And uh, the part of the virus that is designed to elicit that immune response in your body. So at the end of the day, the thing that all these vaccines have in common is that they want your immune system to learn to recognize bits and pieces of this virus. So when, it, when you're confronted with the real virus, your immune system has been trained and it's ready to fight it off. So the Pfizer vaccine, as well as the Moderna vaccine, are similar in that they deliver a genetic uh, material that eventually makes what's called the spike protein of the virus in your body. The spike protein is part of the coronavirus. It's just one piece of it. And so when they send this spike mRNA in your body and your cells start making the spike protein, your immune system recognizes that spike protein and it learns how to fight it off so that when you're exposed to the actual virus, you clear it very quickly. The other types of uh, other types of uh, manufacturers do different things. So, for example, there is a vaccine candidate out there that essentially takes a dead virus. So it takes the coronavirus, it chemically kills the coronavirus, um, and then it sends that in your body. So you can't get sick because it's a dead virus, but your immune system can still recognize uh, that virus and train train uh, the, the the system to uh, clear the actual virus when you're confronted with it. That's how, for example, the influenza virus is made. Right. It, it, it's something that, that, that we have a lot of experiences with. What do you say to people who won't get the flu shot because they think they get sick as soon as they... Uh, there's so many people out there that believe that, oh my gosh, I'm going to get the flu or I got sick as soon as I got the flu shot or if I get the COVID shot, I'm going to get COVID because they're injecting it into my body. You've heard that over and over again. Sure. Well, what we do know, Mitch, is that you cannot get COVID from the vaccine because, again, this Pfizer vaccine is just one small part of that virus that uh, that they're injecting into you, it can't make you sick. It's just one protein. And uh, similarly, uh, you you can't get sick even if you get other kinds of uh, COVID vaccines, uh, where where they're sending the dead virus in your body because that's again it's a dead virus. It yeah. cannot make you sick. Now 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 what 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 will happen is sure there will be a little bit of soreness. Uh, there might be other minor side effects as a result of getting vaccinated. But again, the overwhelming, uh, the benefit you'll receive is overwhelming uh, compared to a little bit of soreness, yeah. perhaps a little bit of nausea, so on and so forth. Uh, so, 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 so this thing has cleared the FDA, it is safe to take, and everyone who uh, ought to be vaccinated uh, at the recommendation of their provider should be vaccinated. Is this a one-shot process or a two-shot 
process? The Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine, they're both two-shot processes, uh, about a, a, a one month apart. There are other vaccine candidates out there that are single dose. And it'll be interesting, Mitch, because, because you know, the demand is going to be so high uh, for these vaccines that, as you said, there are a number of companies that are really competing and uh, get uh, getting their their technology through the regulatory process. So it may well be the case uh, that when uh, various vaccines hit the market, you and I will be vaccinated uh, through different platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, is, what, what, is, what is reassuring at the moment is that the uh, technologies that are going through clinical trials are showing highly effective, whether it's uh, Pfizer, whether it's Moderna. Um, so, so at the end of the day, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll have a number of really good vaccines out there. Should we concern ourselves, Ali, with the celebrity or wealth skipping of the line? That's being written and talked about now in the last 48 to 72 hours. That's going to be a concern, and it is my hope that we stick to the CDC guidance, which is that we must first get the healthcare workers, as you said, and uh, the vulnerable population vaccinated. And we need to make sure that we do the right kind of oversight and make sure people aren't uh, jumping in front of the line. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, this is this is not about, uh, you know, any one or two or a small group of people. This is about the whole country. And uh, really, we really have to be uh, vigilant to make sure that um, we vaccinate the right groups of people at the right time to curb uh, transmission and, 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 you know, beat this pandemic once and for all. Two last questions for Dr. Ali Nouri. Good enough to be with us back here on Mitch Unfiltered. Should Americans planning international travel, should that be a mandatory vaccination? Uh, I'll give you an example. My family, we are scheduling a, a European vacation in July. You mentioned July and August, July of next year, actually late July, early August. What if I'm not vaccinated by then? Should I be? I would think so, Mitch. I would think to the extent that uh, those vaccines are available to you prior to your international travel, you should certainly be vaccinated because, again, this is not something that is unique to COVID-19, right? Uh, We already have requirements when it comes to vaccinations when we travel to other countries. Um, uh, The United States has requirements for uh, travelers that are coming here. And COVID-19 happens to be the uh, perhaps the worst pandemic that we have faced as a people in 100 years. And uh, there is absolutely every reason uh, to to hold the bar high and, and make sure people are being vaccinated, uh, especially given we are now uh, we, we do now have a vaccine that's safe and effective. If only, let's say, 50 percent of Americans decide to get vaccinated once it's available to all of us. What will be the overall effectiveness of the vaccine to our country in your estimation? Well, it's not going to be enough, Mitch. Uh, You know, we really need uh, much higher levels than that to reach what's called herd immunity, uh, where you stop the chain of transmission. Really, the only way you're going to stop the chain of transmission of this virus jumping from one person to another is to have a very high level of vaccination so that 
if the virus does take hold in any single individual, it'll just burn out in that person because it won't be able to find another susceptible host. The only way to do that is to have a very high coverage of vaccination. 50% is far too low. It's not going to cut it. What's, what is going to cut it? Probably around 70 or 80%. Okay. And at if, least. And if it is 50% and we don't get to 70 or 80% because just a, a, a good portion of the United States decide we're not going to take the vaccine, then what? Well, then what happens is the, the, the virus essentially becomes what's called endemic in the population. So it gets a foothold and it, it just becomes something that is with us, very similar to other kinds of uh, cold viruses uh, where we don't fully get rid of it, but it's just constantly around and it's constantly looking for new hosts. And, and really, there's a couple risks there. The first risk, of course, is that this is a virus that is a killer, especially uh, in the elderly. So they will continue to suffer from uh, morbidity and deaths, not just the elderly, but, but, but we know now that uh, it also impacts um, many, many young people for a very long time, what's called long COVID. So, so, so that's the first problem. The second problem is if you don't get rid of it, you're giving more and more opportunities to the virus to mutate. And sometimes those mutations make the virus weak. Sometimes they make it strong. And just imagine how tragic it would be if we give the uh, opportunity to the virus to mutate into forms that made it more virulent and potentially even new versions that overcome the vaccine. Oh, and then we would have to start all over again. Yeah. So it's really important that we vaccinate lots and lots of people, achieve herd immunity and uh, move toward really wiping off this pandemic. That's the voice of the president of the Federation of American Biologists, Dr. Ali Nuri, always kind to us for a few minutes here on Mitch Unfiltered. Uh, Dr. Nuri, thank you. Thank you for being back with us. I wish you and your family a healthy and safe holiday season. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be with you. Stay safe, Mitch. Evergreen CEO Tyler Hay is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered. Great partner. When you think of a financial advisory firm, Tyler, stocks and bonds advice and investments immediately come to everybody's mind. But Evergreen does for clients, it goes way beyond that, right? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, I think when people think about wealth management or a financial advisor, they think about stocks and bonds and those types of things. But really, that's kind of in the ninth inning. You know, people have a lot of life events that lead up to the point where they have wealth that needs to be managed. So whether they're going through a divorce, whether they're selling a business, whether they're considering selling a business, whether they're inheriting money, there's a whole bunch of life events that go on prior to actually managing the money. And we help people navigate those challenges far before they're actually the money's in their hands. Tax accounting and prep is now a layer also of Evergreen Golf Call, correct? Correct, Mitch. On July 1st, we closed on Sterling Cooter. So we now have a tax advisory component to our firm. So clients don't have to play quarterback in between their financial advisor and their CPA and making sure all the documents go back and forth. We just handle it for them. So for Mitch Unfiltered listeners to find out more about Evergreen Golf Call, they've heard about you for years now on our 
on our podcast. Start with the website. Start with the newsletter. Yeah, they can go to the website and read the newsletter. That gives them a little bit of uh, insight into how we think. And then there's also a, a client uh, compatibility survey that, that kind of helps us identify who might be a good fit for us. Evergreen Golf Call and Tyler Hay and the whole crew with offices along the West Coast. It's terrific to have them be a partner of Mitch Unfiltered. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Unfiltered. Other stuff to get to. Let me just run through mine and then I'll be a listener. Okay. I told you at the beginning, my other stuff, it's just, I don't know, people taking shots this holiday season. Well, I remember a lot of people looking to take shots. But I think I think it's been a rough year, obviously. It has. And I think when you get to the end of the year, you're just sick of everyone. You're sick of Not your coworkers. Me. You're sick of your family. I'm in a good mood. I don't want to take shots. All right. Except at you. All right. That's fine. I'll take it. And you're in that some of the listeners. And there's too. like four or five like little things in the in the world of sport. Coach K, the legendary Coach K, says, "Love him. I'm not I'm not playing any more non-conference games. That's it. I'm done." Okay. We're done. COVID is serious. We shouldn't be playing in the first place. We are hereby no longer playing any more non-conference games. We'll start playing when the ACC day. And there's like two or three. It's like he, he canceled two or three games, essentially. Right. And they were against the weak sisters of poor that he was going to beat by 50. Now, he doesn't have a very good team this year. He had lost the last. He had lost two games. Not not normal for him this time. Sure. Of year. He lost two games. But he said, "I'm not COVID. I'm just. It's just. I'm not fooling around with COVID. We got to take care of these kids. Yeah. Okay. We, we we shouldn't be playing against Binghamton. Okay? okay. And the Alabama young coach who used to be the coach of Buffalo, a guy named Nate Oates, he's like, "Do you think Coach K would be calling off the games if he had a good team? Oh, that's a taking a shot at a ledge. Like, right? How to take a shot? And then he takes a shot. Bayheim hears that he don't ever criticize Coach K around Bayheim." Oh, he you loves know, him. Oh, everybody loves Coach K. Okay. Uh, who's this young? He's embarrassing this guy. You know, everybody's oh. like after each other. He's saying that Coach K only, only canceled the non-conference games because he doesn't have a good team this year. He doesn't want to play. Right. So, I, I, everybody's I, taking a shot. I, I wonder, and I'm not trying to start anything, but it, there is a big left versus right going on. And I think that's just everyone's kind of mentality for the past year it or so. Is. It is. Is that if there's something I don't like, I don't have any, I don't have to have respect for you or you if I don't like you. Yeah. And I'm gonna let you have it. I, I think it's a it's like a new world order that we're living in. And yeah. I mean Bayheim, he's the kind of guy who's like, Well, he's a legend. Why you, we should respect this guy. Yeah. Because he's a little older and that's where he comes from. Well, I mean, is I he, think is, nowadays is he really ducking the last two yeah. out of conference it. games because of co- because right. he doesn't have a very good team. Right. I, and okay. by the way, a, a not very good team for Duke is probably still a hell of a good team. It's a hell of a good kick team. Kick the shit out of Alabama, probably. The SEC commissioner is taking a shot at the ACC in football because the ACC decided we're not going to make Notre Dame and Clemson play this week, make up games because they each have lost like several games. Okay. And they're supposed to play in the championship game of the ACC, and one or both of them are going to go to the Final Four. Well, the ACC decided, eh. They don't have to play this week. We'll uh, just give them both the week off before the ACC chair. And the SEC guy's like, oh, come, come on. Really? Yeah. Really? You're protecting your team. So you're you're that scared that one of them might lose that you're that – you're, so now you got the SEC guys <laughs> up against the ACC. <laughs> yeah. Dabo's getting involved. He's the guy from Clemson. Oh, like, yeah. What are you talking about? We're the best two teams. We're playing in the – everybody's mad at everybody during the holiday season. Yeah. 
You've got the you've got the LSU shoe guy, the people in the LA City. <laughs> it wasn't enough that they won the game because they got a 15-yard penalty for the Florida Gator throwing the shoe, but now they're tweeting out pictures of the shoe yeah. and talking about and setting up a Twitter account on behalf of the shoe. <laughs> right. People They're just love it. trolling the guy. Yeah. I mean, everybody's after each other. Yeah. Auburn's firing their coach. Gus Malzahn got fired on Sunday. Went like 68 and 34 in eight seasons. Won a national championship at Auburn. Played in like four New Year's Day. It's six and four this year. That's eh, not good enough here at Auburn. We pride ourselves in being better than that. They fired him. Uh, uh, yeah. Know, just a lot of little shit that... Everybody's mad at everybody else. I mean, yeah, I, I do think it comes from like, that person doesn't agree with me. I'm going to rip their ass on Twitter. <laughs> People are still out in the streets beating the shit out of each other from both sides every I guess, weekend. I guess. And I think that's just where we are. That's, we've so all. The floor's yours. We've all been conditioned to Entertain just me. hate everyone. You've got four minutes. Do, really? Yeah. All right, well, maybe, I got to pick and choose three here. three and a half. Sarah Fuller, the first female to play in a power five game. Oh, I have game. that too. That's great. Awesome. Kicked it right through. That's not the best part of the the film. Well, real quick, for people who don't know, she was the first female to play in a Power yeah. 5 game, yeah. but now she's the first to score in a game. She kicked an extra point. How about the reaction, to, though, by her teammates? Did you yeah. watch the whole clip? Uh, it cut They're off. going crazy for it. It's it was great. It, it was a it was a feel good moment when I'm talking when I'm reading about all this this nonsense of right. people saying <laughs> that's exactly what I needed. A whole team like lifting her up and yeah. really excited for. Her. I mean, it was just a, it was an unbelievable moment when she kicked the extra point for Vanderbilt. Yes, good for her. Yes, thank you for that. Dwight Dwight Howard. Yes. He hired two women. Superman. He hired two women to care for his enormous snake. But the women say that he stiffed them. No, that wasn't me. This that was is me. A, this is a true story. Yeah, but I didn't realize he had an enormous snake. That's what it says in the story here. Yeah, he's a big man. 25 feet long and 200 pounds. Well, that's bigger than norm- normal. Yeah, it's a, it's a boa constrictor. And he hired these... Oh, like a real snake. Where, where was your head this whole time? I mean, come on now. Jeez Louise. <laughs> these two women were hired to, to provide personal management services, but he then fired his butler, groundskeeper, and the maid, so they had to like pick up the slack and do all this other stuff they never thought they would do. And Again, this what, is part of what I'm talking yeah, about. I guess it is, right. So they're suing him for 50 grand in unpaid wages. One of the women, she even claims she's the one that got him the deal with the Lakers, that weird, unexpected deal. Remember, they signed it. Dwight Howard was kind of done. Yeah. She says she's the one that helped get him the deal. And now and, she's canned. It, well, she's not getting paid. She's, you know, Johnny Manziel. He's close to ancient. Johnny football. Yes. By the way, how old do you think he is? I don't know why I was surprised. Uh, You'll probably do the math. You remember when he was a senior and all that, but. I he thought won the Heisman back in uh, oh I don't know he's probably thirty years old yeah he's twenty eight yeah hey, that's still really young yeah, yeah in most circles yeah yeah I mean so he's close to inking a deal with the new fan controlled football league the what set to debut in February two thousand twenty one that's right fan controlled okay not not like the fan that you put on when you're when you're hot the one like that one yeah it's an arena style football league consisting of four teams where almost everything including the play calls is picked by the fans. Yeah, you excited for this? Mike Tyson and Marshawn Lynch have signed on to be owners. <laughs> you may want to sit this one out, guys. Oh, Save your money. Marshawn Lynch, you see him on with Conan O'Brien? <laughs> They're like buddies, which is the weirdest thing. It started, okay. Okay. it started during the Super Bowl, like in 2013, they played a video game together. And now I think it, the contrast is so funny that they're, okay. they're buddies. Okay, but he's, did you see the clip of no. the most recent one last week? It's not even Marshawn. I don't even like it. He's too like normal and and jolly and oh, laughing and yeah. i mean it's just like oh my god who is this person yeah i don't want that yeah that, 
There was very little edge to him. He was giggling. I mean, it was. I mean, it just. Uh, yeah. I was like, what? You and Conan? What? Yeah. It started. They played a video game together. I think during the Super Bowl, and yeah. and it, everyone loved it because it was so funny because they yeah. just really don't really get each other. Yeah. But the chemistry was fun. So yeah, now they're they're buddies. Gary Payton would not be happy about this story. Okay. Sandra Denton, better known as Peppa. From Salt and Peppa fame, oh, which we Peppa. just talked about, was so weird. She's suing her doctor for negligence because he botched her butt. He botched her butt. He did. She was in a car accident in 2018, and her doctor allegedly pressured her into three separate procedures on her butt, and apparently botched them all. So she is suing her doctor. What I was, it was wrong weird. with her butt? Who knows? Too she, big, too small. Well, I think he just he, right. He wanted some implants to go in and some stuff, and okay. now it just looks terrible. So she's suing her. It was weird. I saw a story about Peppa, who I haven't thought about in 25 years. Where's salt through all this? Yeah, who knows? Her, her butt's fine. Her, she yeah. didn't have to worry about this. <laughs> I saw Dick Van Dyke trending on Twitter. I'm like, oh, here we go, oh, 2020. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Well, you're the first to, to, to click because you got to know that before I'll, anybody else. If he dies, I mean, I have yeah. to know. Yeah, you got to you got to break that story. It's his birthday. That's why he was hundred ninety five. Still kicking, Dick Van Dyke. It's crazy. Why are you bringing this up? Well, Dick Van Dyke's 95. Happy birthday. He's really really old. That's what you got for episode 121? All right. Well, I mean, if he's 121, it would make sense. This, well, UFC star Mackenzie Dern is a woman. Yeah. She says she's a better fighter now than ever before because she's a mom. Are you trying to get me involved in the conversation Uh, that we had when I was drunk? I thought it was interesting that that this is her perspective. And she actually had a fight Saturday at UFC 256. Broke her nose and still won. Still won the fight. I don't... Crazy, right? I'm not going to talk about it. If you want to hear my my views on female fighting, boxing, and MMA, go back to episode, what was it, 120p. I'm not yeah. going down that road again. All right, a couple of RIPs. Yeah. Tommy Tiny Lister. Do anything for you? You would totally recognize this guy. He's famous for playing intimidating tough guys in films like Friday. He played Debo in the movie Friday. Well, he caught COVID four months ago, felt like he recovered, yeah. and then started feeling awful and was found dead in his house over the weekend. He's 6'5", 300. He had a run in the WWF for a while as Zeus. You'd recognize him. Bald. His eye, I think he had something wrong with his, his eye. looked a little... Anyway, so rest in peace to... Charlie Pride. Tommy Lister. That's, that's my next one. COVID, COVID-related death, right? This guy... 86, 87, 88? What was he? Uh, he was 86 years old. 86. This guy, I didn't... Re- I mean, country music's not my strong suit at all. I didn't- this guy is incredible. He was the first African-American to break through in the country music scene. Imagine what that must have been like in the 50s or yeah. 60s, right? For, yeah. So, yeah, he did die from coronavirus, similar to Willie T. Ribs. Yeah. This guy's... It's funny because I was going to say race car. <clears throat> I was going to say race car driving. Oh, Okay. No, no. When you were talking Charlie Pride and, yeah. and, and talking about how what he what he had to go through to to break through, and I, my my mind immediately went to auto racing for some reason. Yeah, maybe I was like, what's wrong? And I was actually thinking, what's wrong with you, Mitch? Why are you thinking about auto <laughs> racing? And then you hit me with it. With yeah, because Willie T. Ribs was the first African American to compete in the Indy yeah. 500. We've had him on. Yeah, yeah right. You had yeah. him on. Yeah. This guy, he was he's called the Jackie Robinson of country music. He taught himself to play guitar at 14. He served in the military. He played professionally in the minors, including for the Boise Yankees. He was like this amazing baseball player for, well, he played in the minors, but yeah. he was a pro baseball player. He had 52 top 10 hits on the Billboard country chart. Charlie Pride. 52 top 10 hits. Charlie Pride. 30 of them went to number one. That's like Beatles don't have that kind of. I mean, that's like 
subject of Hot Shots next special. Uh, no, I can't do it. I can't. I, I can't. I can't do sixty country oh. songs. I, I I love you, Charlie Pride. Rest in peace. Uh. I can't. But he was. Um, yeah, he had three kids, five grandchildren, and two great grandchildren. Eighty-six years old, Charlie Pride. Rest in peace. Yes, sir. All right, last one. You ready? Dateline. Conewago Township, York County, Pennsylvania. Oh, a Pennsylvania man. A Florida man <laughs> throws girlfriend's shoe out of truck to stop her from strangling him, police say. Oh, my say. God, another Florida man throwing a shoe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Police were caught. You get 15 yards, too? Yeah. Well, you don't even know about that story when you pick this one. I know, one. crazy, right? So police were called after a woman was reportedly standing on a loading dock, screaming about being assaulted by her boyfriend, police say. The initial report said the woman was wearing one shoe when they showed up. They weren't really sure why. An officer made contact with her, later identified as Stacy Stringfellow. She told police that her and her boyfriend, Nathaniel Huger, they drove up from Florida that morning, unclear why. She was searching through his email when she found evidence that he was cheating on her. When she confronted him, they began arguing in a warehouse parking lot. Stringfellow said that her boyfriend bit her wrist during the, during the argument and that somehow she sustained a scratch on the side of her head. Danny Ainge, Tree Rollins. You don't get that reference. Go ahead. No, I've, I've seen that one. Yeah, that's, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I was actually always surprised Ainge went like... Everybody thinks that Ainge was the one who bit Tree Rollins, but it was the other way around. But go ahead. Go, go ahead. <laughs> Everyone thinks that. <laughs> yeah, and for some reason, and, and if you talk to Danny Ainge, he'll tell you. The world thinks that I was the guy who bit the other guy. I was the guy who got bit. But go ahead. Okay. Huger, the, the boyfriend, tells it differently. He says that Stringfellow flipped out about the cheating, got out of the passenger seat, went behind his seat, wrapped her arm around his neck, and began choking him. Like, good shit, you know? Good thing she didn't have a piano wire, you know? Can you picture? She's like, Jesus. she's in the back seat trying to choke the guy out. All right, so he said he was unable to breathe, so he moved his mouth up and down on her wrist, you know, with his teeth trying to get her to break the hold. Once he freed himself, Huger said he threw one of her shoes outside the truck in an attempt to get her to exit the vehicle. Kind of a smart move because it worked. Stringfellow left the truck to go get her shoe, and that's when he hit the gas and got the hell out of there because he feared for his safety. So police took Stringfellow into custody. First of all, I have so many questions. How did you get access to her shoes? That means she, did, they were, she didn't have them on, clearly, because you couldn't have reached behind that, right? I mean, so she got out bare. I, I don't know. How did he get one of her shoes? Anyway, all right. Who knew the answer to ending ugly arguments is teaching your partner to fetch? I hate to keep repeating the same joke, but for all you single people listening, these two have someone and you don't. <laughs> someone for everyone, apparently. The man was quoted as saying, once she read his email, he was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. But um, um, um. My wife wasn't happy when I bought a two-door car with tiny back seats so like only a kid could fit in. Well, now you know why. No one's putting me in a goddamn sleeper hole in my car. <laughs> she can't get back there. And finally, I think we can all agree that the real victim is the state of Pennsylvania, a state that's only a day's drive away from Florida. <laughs> Keep your people down there. We're good up here, all right? We got our own problems. Oh, God. There Become go. a patron. Uh, the P episodes will be out this week. Uh, fill out your uh, fill out your your picks in the Beat the Boys competition. Have a great week of holiday shopping. And, you know, what, what does she say? What does Ellen say? Ellen's got COVID, by the way. We haven't talked about that. That's yeah, she does. I, I meant to put that in my notes. What does she say at the end? I'm going to borrow it. For the, for the, love one another. Respect one another. I'll tell you, you, but before we get to that, somebody said that's the first positive news she's had in a long time. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. All right. Uh, be kind to one another. She's the expert on being kind to one another. Yes. Stop taking shots. I'm not going to take a shot at David Moore the entire week. 
Oh, that's very big of you. It's nice. Episode 121, ladies and gentlemen. And if you haven't heard the new Heisel thing, go back and listen to it. If you skipped over it the first time, <laughs> go back and listen to it because I, I, uh, I turned the tables. I'm ready. 121's in the books. 